sports fans. My name is Danielle McCartan, and we're going to call this one, ooh, I don't know, is it Danielle at a late dinner time, or maybe it's McCartan before midnight, whatever. You know what? I've got so many names for the show. I am the super utility around here, and I'll be talking all things New York sports with you right up until the stroke of midnight here in New York City and beyond. And whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning into the show right now throughout the next couple of hours, whether that be on your car radio, AM or FM signal, maybe you're streaming from WFN.com or on our free Odyssey app. And of course, we are here in the Big Apple. And Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in lower Manhattan. So go ahead and start dialing 877-337-6666. Taking your calls right here in this first segment. So get aboard. It's very tough for me tonight in the studio here because if I was home right now, I'd have split screen on, Mets on one side, Jets on the other. But um, right now I had the Mets on. I just flipped to the, to the Jets. Uh, Mets were winning 2 nothing. I wanted to see kind of what was – get a feel at least or try to get a feel a little, a little bit uh, about what's going on in this Jets game. So, um, you know, I apologize, but there's only one TV in here. There's only so much I can do while doing a show. But um, – I just, I have a feeling that uh, that this show is not going to start out as a happy show. And, and I did want to talk some football tonight because I'm basically over the uh, the baseball scene here in New York, and I know it's not going to start happy because the Yankees lost eight to one to the Boston Red Sox today. And if you total it up so far in the season, the series, they've been outscored eighteen. I'm uh, sorry, sixteen to four. In two days, the Yankees have been outscored 16-4 to against the Red Sox, who is, you know, they were kind of in the wild card hunt um, with the Red Sox. But now, if you look at it, as of a, as a, up to the minute, right now, the Yankees have now fallen behind Toronto, Boston, and now the Angels. They are seven and a half games back of a wild card spot. And this was the weekend. You know, it's like, all right, today's today's the wake. Tomorrow's going to be the funeral. I mean, that's it. But I'm not bringing the trumpet just yet. I only bring the trumpet when it's when either any team is mathematically eliminated. So right now, they're not. But 8-1 to one loss to the Red Sox today. The Yankees have now lost seven straight. It's their longest losing streak since September of 2021. I mean, that's like two years. And... This is the latest into the season that the Yankees have been under 500 since the year 1992. Do you know what I was doing in the year 1992? I was wearing diapers. And I think this might be the worst period of Yankee baseball in my my lifetime. I'm 35. And I'll be, I'll be honest. If I didn't have to watch this team, I wouldn't be watching this team. And yet. And yet. Saturday, Saturday, what what time did that game start? One o'clock? Saturday afternoon game? They still drew 43,000 fans to the game. Yankee Stadium was at a 90% capacity today, Saturday. So if you're going to call me up, and if you're going to tell us all listening right now, including myself, to boycott the games, you know what? Do, do us all a favor, save it for another show. It's never going to happen, not in a million years, and as bad as this team has been, they pulled 43,000 people today. Speaking of today, number one, 
Garrett Cole was shellacked. I mean, it was completely uncharacteristic for Garrett Cole, who, by the way, this is an unbiased sports show. He is my unbiased pick to still win the AL Cy Young Award. But today, he was uncharacteristically shellacked by the Boston Red Sox. And I wrote down in my notes during that fourth inning, I typed out, is Cole tipping pitches? And almost instantaneously, Paul O'Neill, with no outs in a fourth inning, said, this is a quote, he he said, some of the at-bats today from the Red Sox have been, and he used the word, exceptional. Uh huh. So the exasperated Garrett Cole in after the game, he could that confirmed it for me. And I would not be surprised if you and I here, maybe tomorrow, maybe the day after tomorrow, or maybe right prior to Cole's next start, that he was in fact tipping his pitches today. Again, after today's game, Garrett Cole was exasperated. And I usually just kind of read these quotes myself, but I really want you to hear it in his voice in this audio. Courtesy of the Yes Network. I'm a little bit. I, I'm just a little bit. Um, just confused on why the level of execution on their side is so high. You know, I mean, we, we funneled four or five balls into the down and away quadrant, and it's not like we lived there all day. We pitched several of those guys up and in, you know, quite often. Um, so. I, but that's baseball, you know. I mean, for, for for whatever reason, they 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 were you know extra focused and able to bring out you know their their best their best their best bolts today. And and not only did they capitalize on poor pitches, but they capitalized on really really good pitches. So that's just just it's baseball. It's tough sometimes, you know. Yeah, and so in my opinion. Garrett Cole was tipping his pitches. And, and also talking about uh, Urias at the Grand Slam, he said it's got to be the only pitch I've thrown there this year that hasn't come back. And then Loisega started the fifth inning, you know, the clean innings, a big term of clean innings around Yankee land, which meant that Garrett Cole was done after just 86 pitches. So maybe the Yankees noticed it too. And now they've moved to 5-8 and eight over the last 13 games that Garrett Cole has started, which, of course, again, no run support to go with it. Number two, Tommy Canley, Meredith Morakovic said, has a believe sign posted in his locker. And I actually wondered, and I'll be there on Wednesday, but I, I'll take a look. I wondered when she said that, if it's the one from Ted Lasso, you know, the, the yellow one with the blue, and maybe someone today after ripped it in half and stomped on it like Nate did. But um, anyway... After Friday night's game, Aaron Boone said, I do feel like we're okay and the turnaround is coming. That was last night, Friday night. When he was asked about that today, Boone was a little testy with the reporter. And I didn't I didn't recognize the voice. I wasn't listening too, too closely to the question part of it. So, I, you know, whoever asked that, I'm sorry. But here's the thing. Out of the coach's playbook, I, I, I read a philosophy of coaching book when I first started coaching. This is like 12, 13 years ago at this point. I, the name of the book, I don't know what it was. It escapes me. I don't know. But I remember the the main takeaway from that book was, for me, you have to be really cognizant of when you pick your moments to have these these team meetings. Like, it's tactical. Uh, you want I mean, you want to do it when you feel like you have a good chance to win the next time you get out there. So it was not 
lost on me that Aaron Boone picked last night to do it. Because with Garrett Cole on the mound today, he's he's as good as they come following a Yankee loss this entire season. And now today, again, today, he wasn't that good. But back to the main point, it's a tactical spot. It's the philosophy of coaching. That you want to pick a spot to have this rousing meeting on a night before or a day of a game you feel like you're going to win. But now, the Yankees lost following that rousing message. And it actually has the reverse psychological effect. Now, you've pumped your players up. They didn't succeed. The team did not respond. And honestly, you're watching that game. If you didn't know there was a team meeting last night, it looks exactly the same as before the message. So where do you go from here? Well, really, it's, it's, it's really difficult to bounce back from that. And now Aaron Boone now, because of it, cause and effect, he's in a precarious position with, with, the, with the guys in that clubhouse at the moment. They won't tell you that. But that's, that's the, the, the reverse psychology of it. And yet after the game today, Boone said, this is a quote, discouragement is not the emotion we need to have right now. It's not lost on me that he has looked extremely discouraged in his interviews over the past week. This losing streak of seven games, look at these hitters and what they're doing. Bowers wasn't even in the lineup today, but over the past, I guess, six games for him, 0 for 16. Bader, 2 for 23. Rortvet, 1 for 13. Stanton, 2 for 21. Torres, 4. Let me add this up for you. Bowers, Bader, Rortvet, Stanton, and Torres. One, two, three, four, five Yankee hitters. They are nine for 98. Nine for 98 in this seven-game losing streak. So when that grand slam happened to, to Garrett Cole today, you knew this game was over. I mean, Cutter Crawford no-hit the New York Yankees through five innings today. They finished with just one hit off of him. One. And it was in the bottom of the sixth inning. It was that judge. He hit the missile to left center field. 413 feet. The first hit of the game. The only run of the game with one out again in that sixth inning. So to suggest that Aaron Judge is a part of the problem in the Bronx with this team is actually laughable. The Yankees were outscored in this seven-game losing streak, 45-15. to 15. Just brutal. 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartney. We're going to go to the calls right now. Let's go in the order that you called. Of course, that's how we do it here. Uh, we start with Orlando in Brooklyn. You are leading off tonight's show. What's up, Orlando? Hey, hey Daniel. Nice, to, nice calling you again here. Yeah, my wife went to the game today. We're season ticket holders. Total embarrassment. Uh, open use is terrible. I think that Derek Cole was sipping his pitches. But every time Joey Cora's people come here, Cora's people come to Red Sox, there's always a problem. Yep. With It's always an issue. He's just a shady guy. So I wouldn't be surprised. You know what I mean? I um, agree with you. It's always a problem with Cora. He comes here, and it's always a problem. Yep. Yesterday was the comms. Today's the tipping. Tomorrow will be something else. Yep. I agree. The lineup, the lineup is terrible, though. Nothing. 
No bunting, no hitting run. Oh, no, they did uh, bunt today. Isaiah Connor Fuller bunted today, and it was a disaster. <laughs> a disaster. I want to ask you something. What happens to Boone now? Can we bring him back? Is he done? Aaron Boone is going to be scapegoated for this whole thing. It's the roster construction that's a problem. He'll be scapegoated. He'll be fired. Brian Cashman will keep his job. Wow. Yeah. We we still got a lot of holes in this team. Yep. Left field. Uh, we need a real center fielder. Harrison Bader will be gone. We're not resigning him. I don't know what Rizzo got left in the tank. I don't. I don't. Third base is a hole. Yep. How about the starting pitching rotation? How about that? Uh, Rodon, not a big fan. Never was. Not 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 a big fan. Uh, Clarkman, it's okay. Nessa's good when he's healthy. Yep. But that's it. Garrett Cole's great, but everything else is a lot of holes. Yeah. Bullpen. Yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen either. This this team, and you you said it when you first started the call there, Orlando. This team's got a lot of holes. This the roster construction, the offense is not good on this team. Now, what happens to Aaron Boone? Um. Honestly, I, I I don't know this, but over the past week, you notice a real. I notice a difference in him and how he talks to the media following the games, prior to the games, and it's not the. I, I don't know. It's just it's different. I, I can't put my finger on it. It just looks different to me, and I'm wondering if he knows something that we all don't yet. No. I mean, I think he has one more year left on his deal. Cashman has, I think, after this season, I think three more years left on his deal. Who goes? It's going to be Boone. The, you know what I mean? If anybody goes, it's going to be Boone. And that's a big if. If. Because you know Brian Cashman's middle name is, is Steinbrenner. Or his last name is hyphenated, Cashman Steinbrenner. He's going nowhere. So Boone will be um, scapegoated. They're bringing someone just like him. And Brian Cashman can can continue to, to do what he's doing. You know, have the, the last call on pretty much, I believe, everything that goes on there. Roster construction is a mess. I mean, it's it's just it's not good. The outlook is bleak. You could you could deal with with a bad season, but the Yankees have the second highest payroll in baseball this season. Hal Steinbrenner is is unwilling to to go beyond the luxury tax thresholds, and 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 where do you go from here? I think they've got sixty million to play with next year after some of the contracts that that come off. But $60 million isn't enough to fix this team. I don't think so. $60 million to fix this team. It's not possible. I mean, at this point, let's let's bring up Austin Wells, see what he can do. 877-337-6666. Dan in Patchogue, you're up next here on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. Uh, I'm actually calling because I'm happy the Yankees are losing. Um, I don't blame Boone, obviously. Can't do anything with the players that he puts on the field from Cashman. But I also don't even blame Cashman that much. I blame ownership. Yeah. If they're going to be so money-stricken and want to keep under their certain budget, then we're not going to be able to field the team that we need to win out there with the current contracts that we have on the roster. Well, I, Cashman did exactly what people wanted to. No. People wanted a starting pitcher. Yeah, Rodon was not starter. the but Rodon was not the answer. Not Frankie the answer. Montas was not the answer. You, you, if you're listening to the show, you know that I was against both of those. So he, he's yeah, he's yeah, got but, the money, right? He's got the capital to spend. He's not spending it wisely. That's the problem. It is Cashman's fault. How Steinberg's got the I, I second mean, highest I, payroll in all of baseball. He's put the money out there. It's not being spent wisely enough. 
Yeah, but again, I'm just happy they're losing. I hope the streak gets up to 14, 15 games. But what does that accomplish? It, it's just so that they have to look in the mirror when they wake up every day and realize that they're doing a terrible job with the world's greatest franchise. That's what I want to happen. I mean, fine. <laughs> fine. But what does that accomplish? Does it change I guess anything? It doesn't accomplish much. Not not really. I, okay. But again, I, maybe Radon wasn't the answer, but he did go get a pitcher, Cashman. And then we everybody wanted Volpe to be called up and start the season. That was the right move. Shortstop. And that he, was, he did that too. And that it was the right was move. It was a disaster. No, that but, was the right move. No, it was the right move, but again, like everybody wanted that to happen. We got the pitcher, not the best one. He made trades for Montas, uh, the wrong Oakland pitcher at the time, mm-hmm. obviously, and it didn't work out. So what does that tell you? Uh, what I, does that tell you? That tells you that, that, that he's making these decisions, and they're not the correct ones. Like, if the information that I have tells you that guy's not a good guy to get, or that guy's not a good guy, I mean... I, mean, I don't work for the Yankees. Like, how do I have access to this information and can be able to make these decisions? And this man can't. It's an atrocity. This this is an atrocity. I mean, I mean, Carlos Rodon for the next what five years or something? Five more years of this this drama with Carlos Rodon, Frankie Montas. How many games is he actually pitched in a Yankee uniform? It's Hal is spending the money. And I get the frustration with Hal. He said you just got to – I understand it, and I am frustrated with Hal as well. But it's you can't say that he's not spending the money because he is. He is. It's not being spent wisely. 8.2% of the payroll this season is Carlos Rodon. Let's add that up. 8 point uh, – Conor, I'll give me one second. I know we have to take a break here. 8.17% is Carlos Rodon. 7.52% of the payroll is Josh Donaldson. And 2.69% of the payroll is Frankie Montas. Add that up. Just those three people. That's 18.4% of the payroll. Rodon, Donaldson, Montas. Try to tell me that's money well spent. Try to. 877-337-6666. Welcome back to the fam. My name is Daniel McCartan. The boys of summer are about to become the boys of fall. If you ask me, the Yankees, Mets... Stick a fork in them. Done for. I got some tweets on, uh, or a special tweet on the break here. Uh, I did want to read it out loud to everybody here. This is from uh, at Terry Cameron 21. He said, Danielle, make sure you add in how much the Yankees are paying Aaron Hicks to go and play for another team to your calculation. So that's right. Let me update this now. Between Carlos Rodon, Josh Donaldson, Frankie Montas, and let me add in now. Aaron Hicks, 3.76% of the payroll. 22. Let's round this one up. 22.2% of the Yankees payroll this season is wrapped up into players that were terrible deals from the outset. Rodon, Donaldson, Montas, Hicks. Everybody knew that. And yet 22% of this payroll is wrapped into them. So just getting back to the fact that, yeah, Hal Steinbrenner is spending the money. You can't tell me that he's not. They have the second highest payroll in all baseball, but it's not being spent wisely when 22.2% of your payroll is wrapped up in Hicks, uh, Montas, Donaldson, and Roldan. By the way, three of them are injured. One of them plays for another team. I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Where's the talent evaluation uh, department. Anyway, 877-337-6666. In the order that you called, we go to Nick in Manhattan. I think you were next. Go ahead, Nick. 
Yes. Hey. Hi, can you, uh, hello? Yes, hello. Yes. Yeah, um, real quick, um, since you just stated that uh, Steinbrenner is not afraid to spend money, why not follow Philadelphia Philly Girardi firing model and go ahead and fire Boone as of tomorrow and bring either Mike Socha or Bochi in. They're two proven, tested managers that have won three World Series. Each each one of them has three under his belt. And want to consider them for the rest of the season and see whether, you know, would they be good managers for us for next year? So Bruce Bochi is employed. He's currently employed already. He's not... He's not a free agent, so to speak. So you just want to do what with him? Nick? Yes? Bruce Bochy has a job. What, what do you mean? In other words, don't you think they would be good candidates? But, but he's got a job. You, you can't fire Aaron Boone and bring in someone that already has another job. It's not how it works. That's not how it works. And and by the way, what the Philadelphia Phillies did was they they fired Girardi and they brought the bench coach along, right? It was the bench coach. They they promoted from within, in other words. So no, I'm not sure, and I don't understand that really at all. Uh, let's go to Ed in Mawa, New Jersey. What's up, Ed? Okay, Danielle. So you know, it's hard for me to give up. I've been a Yankee fan a long time, and. I'm hoping they put this big streak together, but I tell you, I'm disgusted. You know, I, as much as I want them to win, we got to do something different. It's time for Hal to look up at his father and say, what do I do now? <laughs> and you know what George would do. What would he do? George Boone would be gone tomorrow with two losses to the Red Sox, gone. And Cashman... His days are over. He's been there too long. He's getting too comfortable. He That's ain't right. thinking right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see. I'd love to see Derek Jeter take over as general manager. No, I think that's silly. I, well, no, I don't think it's silly. I think he knows talent, and uh, he he likes that executive deal. And you got to bring Yankees in. Like okay, so a couple Watts things. A couple things about Jeter because I thought this was kind of laughable when someone brought this up this week. First of all, Derek Jeter, he he doesn't want to work. Every day. That's first. He doesn't want to work every day. He doesn't have to work every day anymore. That's why he's in the position that he's in, first of all. Second of all, what if, let's just play devil's advocate here. What if he has a a real hard time being the general manager of the New York Yankees? Do you think that the Yankees would allow him to be hated as much as Brian Cashman is? Would would you hate him as much as Brian Cashman? Well, Wouldn't that taint his legacy with the team, the sparkly legacy he's left on this team? You think the Yankees would allow that? Well, you know, where are you going? Besides going with someone that played for the team, where are you going? You had Stick Michael in there. Stick was a shortstop. All right, you had Bob Watson. He was with the Yankees for a short time. I mean, you got to bring somebody with it, whether it's See, no, I I disagree. I disagree, Ed. You want someone from the outside because the problem is that this this franchise has reeked for many years now with the same stupid philosophy that doesn't seem to work. You need somebody to come in from the outside to shake it up. Coming in from the inside is going to be the same old. We're 21st in Major League Baseball with the farm team. Okay, 21st. We've got to be up in the top five. 
and Stick Michael had it that way. We ended up yeah, with Stick the Michael is no longer here. He's not here I anymore. God rest his soul. Like Jared Steinbrenner, he's not here. God rest his soul. But like you have to stop with the bringing in. Oh, let's get Mattingly to manage. Let's get Jeter to GM. Let's get Paul O'Neill as the bench coach. It's silly. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't. Do you think the Yankees are going to allow Derek Jeter to be to be brought in as general manager and to get slandered every single time he makes a, a terrible move? Because it's going to happen. Not as every, not a single general manager is a hundred percent in every move he makes. And unfortunately for Brian Cashman, over the past couple years, he hasn't been nearly anywhere close to being a hundred, batting a thousand, shall we say? To sl- it will never happen. Stop bringing in all these other. It's the the problem with the Yankees is that they are unwilling to change their philosophy. So if you want to shake up the philosophy, why would you bring somebody from the inside to promote from the inside? Why would you do it? You need somebody from the outside to shake it up and be like, no, this isn't right. This is not how it's run in Houston. This is not how it's run in Atlanta or L.A. You're doing it wrong. Follow that or Cincinnati or Baltimore. You need it to be different than how it is. And if you're promoting from within, it's the same. You might as well just keep it all the same. Making changes for the sake of making changes doesn't make any sense. 877-337-6666. Rocky in North Brunswick. Rocky, what's up? Hey, Daniel. How are you? Love your show. Thank you. Love your your passion. It's great. I just wanted to say... um, about Boone, I know you say he's a scapegoat, but he's just a bad manager anyway, scapegoat or not. He's terrible. I mean, how, how, did he, how does this guy last this long? I just don't understand it. He, he's lasted this long, I'll tell you how. Because he's not the sole decision maker. That's it. It's a collaborative effort. There isn't one single person you can single out and be like, that's the guy that made that decision. Do you know who put in um, Peraza at shortstop at the end of last season? Do you know who made that decision? Do you know? I thought it was Rizzo. It was Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo is making his own decisions for this team. Aaron Boone is not. He's he's been handed a binder and said, "Here's what it is." That's why he hasn't been fired yet. That's why. That's why no one's calling him out. But what you just said when you got a little passionate a minute ago about bringing it in from the inside—that is, you're so right. I'm so sick of this. Like since 2009, I'm so sick of the same old, same old. Yes. And these. Teams are running rings around us. I yes. can't stand it. Right. So is the answer to bring somebody in from, from within up? No. no. That's the absolute last thing you want to do, like you said several times. And about the payroll, Daniel, you're saying there's $60 million ain't going to fix it. You're right, but it's not about payroll. We're seeing that payroll doesn't buy championships. Look at the Mets. Yeah, Look right. at the Yankees this year. Right. They need a farm system, like everybody's saying. Yeah. And they need to get faster. You're right. And, and Rocky, that's a good call there. You're right about that. They need to get faster, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, $60 million could bring in a left-handed bat to jump, and, and as a left fielder to jumpstart this team. You need it. You need to spend the money. But tell me that you want to insert the 1998 Yankees into this. I mean, come on, man. It's, it's not, that's not it. That's not it. You know, 
you bringing in Paul O'Neill as a bench coach. The best, the best role for Derek Jeter on this team, you know what it would be? The Andy Pettit role, how they're bringing him in to be this special advisor. Doesn't have to work every day, shows up when he wants, inputs his, his input, blah, 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 blah. Give him a front office job that he doesn't need. That's what, you don't want Derek Jeter to be the figurehead. You just don't. Chris in Hicksville. What's up, Chris? How you doing, Daniel? Listen, I totally, totally agree with you. There's no way you bring GD here. But to say if he was a failure, it would taint his reputation, is so way off the mark. Because Willis Reed was a colossal failure as a Nick coach, and it did not taint his reputation once as a Nick. Okay, but that's so also before, to, before social to, media, too. I mean, that's a different time. They that about Maddenly, too, if Maddenly became that. No, it's not... Derek Jeter could be the worst general manager the Yankees ever had. It will not taint his reputation. I think it would. And See, I think it would. Did, well, did, it, did it taint Willis Reed? It's a different generation than when Willis. There was no that, social that, media. That There's no, no sense, key. Yes, it does. That makes no Don't sense. Don't call sweetheart. me sweetheart, Chris. That's so condescending. That is so condescending. That's so freaking rude, man. Yes, it would taint Derek Jeter. Willis Reed, in whatever year that was, was not part of the social media. You got keyboard warriors over here trying to make hot takes up the wazoo. Up the wazoo. The second Derek Jeter makes an incorrect move, people would be all over him like white on rice. Do not call me sweetheart. That is so freaking rude. Sweetheart. That is, that's so bad. That's so disgusting. And yes, Derek Jeter's reputation would be tainted. Sorry. You can't tell me I'm wrong. You can't. Makes a bad decision. You think he's going to get slammed just like Cashman's getting slammed. Just like Billionaire. Just like every... Uh, uh, Buck Showalter, who everybody wanted. I didn't, but everybody did. And all the callers, Buck Showalter, Buck Showalter. Come on, that's just how it works. In the age of social media, it makes complete sense. Keyboard warriors, everybody's trying to have a hot take. This is not a hot take. I do not want to see Derek Jeter anywhere near the general manager role for the New York Yankees. I just don't. Daniel McCartan here with you till 12 here on The Fan. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. I've just gotten out of the shower uh, about being called the disgusting sweetheart. Ugh, makes me disgusted. It's disgusting and condescending. Uh, by the way, the last time that the Yankees and the Mets missed the postseason, I was curious. The last time they both missed the postseason, you're going to have to go back to the year 2014. That's nine years ago. And... We're headed for it again this year, unfortunately. It's over for the both of them. Over and done with. And you knew once the Mets had the fire sale that Billy and Epler told us all that it wasn't, it was over for them. And I, I, I really can't believe, I really cannot believe that the Yankees are not going to make it into the postseason. I mean, at every juncture, I thought they would just, you know, find a will, find a way to figure it out, a way to get it done, a way to get there. To get in, to sneak in. But as we sit here, and they're seven and a half games out of the third wild card spot with three teams to leapfrog over, they've got out and outscored 16 to, to four to one of them over the past two games. I mean, it's, it's, it's over. It's over. And I can't believe it. I, I just maintain this whole season that they would figure out a way. The window slams shut. It's over. 877-337-6666. Connor's taking your calls. We go off to Suffer, New York. Pat's up on the fan. Hey, how are you tonight? I'm good, Pat. How are you? 
great. I'm really having fun watching them. That's in the uh, Jets. I mean, it's it's really cool seeing both. They're gonna just a couple things on the Mets game, and then I want to make my main point to you. Um, Vogel got a grand slam. I, oh my god! I, I saw. I actually checked. The has got to be going crazy. And, and, I, and you know what? There's something about Vogel back. I just I love. I, love? I don't know how good he. I, I, I love. love? There's just something about him. It's like he's just so funny. Um, what? And, uh, and You're Lindor, the only person who's ever you, said Lindor. that to me. And Lindor. Lindor is like I'm telling you, he's on fire. He's like three for three tonight. Yeah. Uh, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, he's, he um, has been playing well. Yeah, he belongs to the Yankees. He's that good. But anyway, um, oh, was the Mets just, like a farm know, division team for the Yankees? Is that yeah, how it no, no, I like both teams. No, really, I do like both teams. I know it sounds corny, but I want to tell you something. I ran the New York City Marathon. 23 times, and, you know, I just think what's good for New York. I mean, like, it, it's really cool, I think, if the teams can get in the postseason. Yeah, and this um, year it's just not. It's going to be awful next couple of months Yeah, here. you know, but, but like, what you said before, and, and, and I do, you know, follow both teams, but I, I pay more attention to the offseason moves of the Mets, but if, if it's what you said is true, because, like, my whole big thing is I'm, I'm, I'm like, look, you know, uh, Rodon, okay, well, how do you know he's not going to be good? And if you really knew that he wasn't going to be good, and I, I'm, not, I'm not, listen, I'm not being sarcastic here. And you've already got two careers. I know you're the teacher. You're the, you know, the, the, the show host. You should probably, you know, consider, you know, maybe getting into that line of work, you know, evaluating talent or whatever. Because I'm, I'm going to take a saying by Chris Russo. <laughs> If you knew that, that's a good job by you. <laughs> and no, really, you got to do, do it. You got to do it in I the mean, accent. You got, can you do it in the in the accent there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, then, uh, if you knew that, that's a good job by you. Um, but, but but seriously though, I mean, I've had hunches about Mets and stuff. Trust me, there were some Mets I was like, I knew they were going to be you no know, good, and they and they weren't any good, you know. Um, my one break when I didn't root for the Yankees was where they got Clemens because I'm um, going back to the World Series. I hated Clemens so much, and when they got him, I was just mad at the Yankees for doing that. But um, you know, and back they were talking about um, somebody uh, saying he wouldn't be a good manager. Um, uh, Mattingly, hey, listen, Tory wasn't good before he went to the uh, Yankees. And, you know, who, who knows? Maybe maybe he would be okay. Maybe I, don't, he would. I don't know. You but, know, but the the whole no that was part of a larger point of the whole notion of bringing back. You know, let's make David Cohen the pitching coach. Let's make Paul O'Neill the, the bench coach. Like, like the whole notion of just bringing back old Yankees. Yeah, I don't like. I don't like that. I, I think here's the other thing too about Jeter, and I'm not big Jeter fan. I love Aaron Judge, and that, that's why when I look at Aaron Judge, and let me ask you something. Did you see that um little spot they did about his baseball camp? I think it's at Fordham. Yeah, I I was supposed to go. Oh that my day. god! I was How supposed can to you go. not love that guy? I, know. I was How supposed to be there. How can you not love that guy? Yeah, I love Aaron Judge. And he's a doctor. Oh, he's yeah. a, oh my god, the guy! How can you not? And last year it was so cool. My my mom is you know she's ill and my brother you know and we watched Aaron Judge. It was it was like a family thing. Uh, it's something I'll remember for like yeah. twenty years. And we were rooting for him to do it and everything. But um, back to the thing with Jeter. I, I think he could eventually be a GM. But he's got to do different things. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the route is. But maybe make him a third-base coach. Let him do this. Let him go to some meetings. Don't just throw him in there just because he's G. You know right. what I mean? Exactly. Uh, you know, he, That's what, he can eventually him... do it. And you know what? What you said is true, too. He doesn't want to work every day. I know. So, he, no. he doesn't have to. He Why doesn't he? have to. Right. Well, the thing is, and thanks for the call there, Pat. The thing is, like, first of all, I don't think he wants to work every single day. Okay. Two, we don't even know if he wants the job. Okay? Three, 
Put him in, a, in like a talent evaluation standpoint first. Make him a special advisor. Don't stick him at third base. That, that's silly. But because because if you're a third base coach, you're not evaluating talent to build up a roster, right? Put him in a position to do that first before you just give him the slap on the title of general manager. I mean, this is a, a non-story as far as I'm concerned. It's just a non-story. I don't need to see Derek Jeter as a GM in the Yankees. I want, uh, you know, the curse-busting Theo Epstein in here, maybe, possibly, potentially. That's what I want. I want a forward-thinking guy. Let's, let's look at the characteristics of, of the, the Baltimore general manager, of the Atlanta general manager, of the Cincinnati general manager. Let's see what those three guys have in common. Let's see if we can't model the New York Yankees and the New York Mets after those three organizations. Do you believe I'm saying that? Sam and the Bronx, you're up next here on The Fan. Hey, what's up, Coach? How you doing? What's going on, Sam? Hey, so uh, I, I find it funny that you're talking about uh, that Derek doesn't want to work every day, and uh, I really don't think Hal wants to work every day <laughs> because he's because because seriously, I mean, he just brings back the same guy after 14 years yeah. of not of of not having a a, a ring. And he's like, let me give him another four-year extension. Now, again, I know I don't want to go into the whole, like, George and Hal and, like, right. who's better. But, again, George hired uh, Cashman. But I don't think George would ever or nor anybody in this whole entire uh, MLB would ever say 14 years, let me give him another four years. Like, there's just no way. Yeah. And – Again, the only the only other thing that I'm going to say is, and I I never call in like I really don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called in twice today. That's how fed up I am. And I also love you, and I, oh, I love you. your show. Um, but I but I, I never call in this much. But the, one of the one things that I think we can all look at is that uh, remember what what Cashman said when we lost to the Astros. One of the main things that he said was we lost Benintendi, right? We lost Benintendi. Mm-hmm. He didn't go out and get a left fielder. I know. <laughs> like he didn't. He didn't go out and get a left fielder the next year. He didn't get an, another left fielder at the trade deadline. So for him to say that the reason why we couldn't make it past the Astros and get further in the postseason is because we didn't have our left fielder. Yeah. He didn't go out and get one. Right. It's all. It's all BS. Right. So that's all I'm saying. Like like they're feeding us lies. And again, and 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 the last thing I'll say about this is that like. He's feeding us lies to the media, and we could say, like, okay, well, maybe he's just telling us this, and he's not telling Hal this. How do you say that to Hal and say, hey, we didn't have our left fielder. That's why we didn't make it this far, but this is why you should give me an extension. And they give him an extension, and he doesn't get a left fielder. This yeah. makes me think, and probably everybody else in, in the Yankee fan base, that Hal is just content because nobody is going to say, oh, you, you didn't have a left fielder. Right. That's fine. Yeah. Don't go out and get one again. Yeah, point That's well taken there, Sam. And, and Love you. Thanks, Sam. Sorry about that. But, um, yeah, um, here's the thing. I I, I, th- I knew that Brian Cashman was going to get an extension because he he was working without a contract and, and talking to Aaron Judge to re-sign Aaron Judge. Like, he, he didn't have a contract while he was doing that. You'd think a man like that would, would work to try to get Aaron Judge back on the Yankees if he didn't think he was going to be going back to the Yankees? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. He knew he was going back. Everybody knew he was going back. He's never going to leave. Quick break. Emmanuel Barbari update. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 12. Y'all. Welcome back to the fam. My name is Daniel McCartan. With you till 12. Midnight. The stroke of midnight. I'm up and out of here. So three more hours to go. Last week I had on uh, Brian Hope. 
as the newest member of the Danielle's WFAN Book Club. He came to talk with us about the new book, his new book, 62, Aaron Judge, The New York Yankees, and The Pursuit of Greatness. So if you're curious or whatever, that interview is on WFAN On Demand. I think you just go on Google and type in, like, WFAN On Demand, McCartan, Hoke. It should come right up. But uh, yeah, anyway, we talked about his book and, and all that. Great. But I'm, I'm telling you that to tell you this, that the universe's laws of attraction have found me. I am the honey. I've drawn, drawn the bee. Um, and my next uh, book club guest came to me. It's one for Mets fans this time in particular, or just baseball historians. Ed Cranepool will be joining me. Um it's looking like most likely the first or second weekend of September um, to discuss his new autobiography. It's called The Last Miracle, My 18-Year Journey with the Amazing New York Mets. So if you want to start reading along with me, I've read just a couple pages so far. I've been a little busy, but um, maybe you're looking for one more book to fill out that summer reading list. Go ahead and pick up a copy wherever you get your books. And, uh, yeah, that's right, 69 World Series champ Ed Cranepool with me soon. So stay tuned there. 877-337-6666. As we check in, the Mets Cardinals. The Mets are beating the Cardinals 7-1. to Yeah, we'll leave it. 7-1. to Um, Oh, man, we just had a call on here that said, will the Mets make the postseason? No, <laughs> don't don't get um, swayed by the the recency bias. The Cardinals are no good. The Mets will not make the postseason. They are just pretty much as far back as the Yankees are. I think with more teams to leapfrog to, to accomplish it than the Yankees do. So they are both going to be home in October. Let's start to come to terms with it. It is what it is. We go in the order that you called, Dave in Westchester. You're up next here on the fan. Hey, hey, Danielle. I really enjoyed you sticking up for yourself. The last time you were on fire and when someone told you that you weren't prepared, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. And hello and to your you. dog in the back. <laughs> yeah, I'm going up. <laughs> I, I forgot initially <laughs> I forgot initially what I called, but I did remember traveling to the island. I'm trying to figure out why the Yankees aren't getting top talent like the Padres, the Philly, and every other team that I'm looking at, they don't have a hair beard policy. You think it It sounds crazy. Half the calls are calling tonight. I think there might be a full moon. I, I, I was just saying that to Emmanuel, actually. Yeah. Would you, would you think? I, I think Connors would be the GM. I think it would be great. But <laughs> And Gina, it's like you're winning $1.5 billion and you're going to work. You know, and, and Cashman will always be with the organization. He started as an intern. Always. Always. And, 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 and Jeter and Cashman, I don't they're like vinegar and water. I don't think they mix too well. But do you think it's because of the hair policy, a lot of players are shining, shining away from the organization? What's I don't your think so. It sounds wacky, but you never know. Some guys are really diehard beard guys. What, do you, what are your thoughts? I don't know, Dave. I don't have a beard, uh, so I wouldn't know what it would be like to shave one off to go play for the Yankees. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think it's – I don't think so. I, I think – I mean – like, for example, Trey Turner, when the Phillies went out and got Trey Turner, like, the he wanted to play shortstop. Like, I know that. He wanted to play shortstop. And the Yankees probably told him, dude, you could be here, but you're not going to be playing shortstop. We've got a prospect, so you could play second base. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's other things. And I cannot imagine that some. I mean, Garrett Cole cut his hair to, to come and pitch for the Yankees. I mean, like, you can go. Johnny Damon looked like a freaking caveman before he came here. So, I, I don't think so. And by the way, just 
for anybody curious, I looked it up. The moon phase for Sunday, August 20th. I know it's we're not there yet, but we're one day ahead of that. But the moon phase for Sunday, August 20th, 2023, is called a waxing crescent phase. It is 15.25% illuminated. So no, not a full moon, which is crazy. 877-337-6666. We go to Jerry in Middletown, New Jersey. What's up, Jerry? Hey, Danielle. How you doing? Good. How are you? Um, Good. Oh, not with the Yankees. Long-time yeah. Yankee fan, about 50 years. Getting fed up listening, but these Yankee fans are out of control. I agree with you a thousand percent. I mean, Derek Jeter, Paul O'Neill, I love them. I mean, that was a dynasty. Mm-hmm. You know, bringing them in is just a name. I, yeah, sure, I'd love to see them. I'd love to see them play again, not, you know, taking these roles. And I agree with you about a visor. Let's bring in like four or five of them, including Mariano. Yeah. And put them in front of the team and tell them, let them tell them how to win a, how to right. win games and how to play together as a team. Right. Right? Why not? And I mean, that's, I think that's a perfect strategy. Those are, men, those are men that didn't like, how do I say this? They hated to lose more than they liked to win. Correct. That's what this team is lacking. And they're not getting it from their manager. So let's bring in some guys who had that mentality to, to, to inject it into that clubhouse. Right, and these guys, you're right. They probably don't, you know, don't want to work full time. Advisor role like Pettit's doing, I think it's phenomenal. It's Bringing perfect. guys in and out, and yeah, exactly. And they have that mentality, and maybe they'll learn something. These guys, and, yep. and and I agree. Bring people from the outside. We don't need people from within, really. I mean, I, I love to see Jeter. Yeah, we don't, but I don't want him to get tarnished. You're right. He get totally tarnished. He's got one bad move, two bad moves, That's and right. his fans are going to be called, "Get rid of him, get rid of him." That's right. You know, it's just, it's a joke. Yep. what they're saying. Now, you know. And I don't think they're gonna. I mean, personally, do you think they're gonna make the playoffs this year? I don't. No, no, they're out. No, it's it's over. It's yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's over. It's, it's done, Jerry. Unfortunately, so uh, I got the Jets on TV. Went to the Giant game last night, and that's uh, where we have to put our attention. Yeah, to, and that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. The Jets. <laughs> I'm a Jets fan, but yeah. I just can't watch the team anymore. I yeah. just can't. It's, it's bad. Too much. Every time I turn it on, it's four nothing, five one. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm in a hole. Today, when I turned it on 4 nothing, I'm like, Garrett Cole, 4 nothing. I'm like, I turned it off. I didn't bother. Yeah. I said, they're not going to win this game. Nope. There's no way. No and chance. Right. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate it. Thank you, Daniel. You're doing a great job. Thank thanks, you. Jerry. Thanks for the call. And, and I feel like I have to defend against these hot takes here. Like, Derek Jeter as a general manager, what a hot take that is. I mean, come on. Why do I have to sit here and defend that now? It's it's silly. It's so silly. We go to Frank and Sayasa. What's up, Frank? Hi. How you doing tonight, Daniel? Oh, doing good. How are you? Good. You know, I've spoken to you on a fan about probably three or four times. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. Uh, first time I spoke to you was last year. Uh, you were working a Sunday morning just before the Lions, uh, the Giants played the Lions. And, um, and uh, you know, I was wondering, wondering uh, did you see the uh, preseason game yesterday? I was there. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought Danielle, uh, I thought uh, Jones looked sharp. Oh, he looked great. He right. He was almost perfect. He one bad. Well, it wasn't even a bad throw. It was just dropped by Waller, and he was popped. That was it. Daniel Jones was almost perfect last night. Yeah, they said that that, uh, that him and Waller were doing a lot of reps together. Yeah, uh, it shows. It it shows. There's a, definitely a chemistry between the two of them. It's very exciting to watch. Yeah, I'm just like like I said to you the first. The reason why I brought up the first time I spoke to you mm-hmm. for the Lions games because. I think I said to you that day uh, I'm concerned about the Giants' defense, and and I'm just worried about it again. I mean, we had three offsides. We had, uh, yeah. I think, was it Dexter Lawrence that smacked the uh, 
quarterback in the face mask? Or uh... It was hard to see from where we were sitting. Maybe. I don't know. But I remember sitting there with my dad and we were looking at each other like, wow, this is a long game. Like, there are a lot of penalties. And on the way home, we talked about it again. And he was like, well, I guess the referees need some practice, too. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tyrod Taylor got hit in the helmet and they didn't call it yeah. last night. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, but... The officiating wasn't great, I would say. Right. What, what do you think about offensive line? I, it looked pretty good. You know, what do you think? I I mean, I thought it looked good, and I know, and thanks for the call there, Frank. I think the Giants did, in fact, look really good last night. Um, I, I would say, every like, it's hard, right? It's a preseason game. You don't want to get too excited about a preseason game. But Daniel Jones had a nearly perfect drive. And that doesn't just start with the quarterback. That starts with the, the routes that were run. That starts up front. I mean, it starts with the play calling. I mean, all of that. So, there, you know, the, the Giants are kind of under the radar, kind of good, I think, this year. And I, I've always believed in Daniel Jones. I'm not a flip-flopper like like some are. I've, I've always liked Daniel Jones. I, I think they should let him loose a little more, hit Jalen Hyatt over the top. But there was a lot, a lot, a lot to like from that opening drive. And as Becton flashes on the TV here in the studio, Makai Becton, they're showing him. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how many snaps he did play tonight. So if you do find that somewhere on Twitter or whatever, just just tag me in that because I'm curious to see. Um, I've been and look at him. He's just he just guy's just a bulldozer, man. He he, he the, the the Jets need him. He's literally pushing guys onto their backsides. Okay, the Jets need him. They stop. They need to stop babying him. But, uh, yeah, I would love to see how, how many snaps or what percentage of snaps that he has played tonight, if, if he's still even in. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to do, to do a live show, keep an eye on Twitter at the same time, respond to everybody that, that you tweet me, you deserve a response, um, as long as it's, um, what's it called, um, respectful, you know what I mean? And I'm also trying to keep a, a third eye on this, this Jet game. The Mets, I think, are too far. You know, it's, it, there's a lot going on. In other words, there's a lot going on. So whatever information you find, please send my way. I would love to, uh, to talk about that. And Zach Wilson, man, what a different man he is. Uh, let's go out to Roxbury, New York. Chris, you're up on a fan. Hey, Danielle. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it. Um, first of all, I agree with everything you said about uh, bringing in the ex-Yankees. Yeah. Uh, they, they're good ball players, but not necessarily good management. Um, well, right, one thing it, I, but they would be, be best suited in an advisor role. If we're, if oh, we're going to go ahead and do that, bring him in as, you know, Paul O'Neill, the April advisor, or, you know, right, May right. is Coden's month. You know what I mean? Do something like that. Yep, yep. And I, and I saw a while ago Mariano Rivera at spring training. I mean, I think he helps with the pitching all the time. <laughs> but uh, the thing I want to mention to you, the Yankees talk about analytics all the time. So I don't understand why you have a guy who's batting 199 batting fourth yep. who has only a 7% better chance of hitting a home run than I do. Um, why do you have Rorkvet coming in, who's batting about 97? Um, Higgy should be playing every game unless he's hurt. I don't understand why LeMay is ever playing third base when you have a golf glove guy on your team, IKF, that play, yeah, I who, who is one of the best clutch hitters on the team. This <laughs> year, not, this year, with runners in scoring position, he might be the best, yes. Well, and last year, he was one of the top 10, I believe, yet they didn't put him in the playoffs. Well, I agree with the guy who said Boone should be fired. Maybe you should put in George Costanza there, so at least he'd have some amusement. Yeah, but no. um, 
But Boone also doesn't have any discipline. I mean, guys don't hustle. Bader, I've seen him numerous times not hustle at first base. Glaber Torres not hustle. Stanton, Stanton never hustles mm-hmm. first base. I don't know why, why is Stanton playing? <laughs> because um, they're paying him? <laughs> yeah, uh, basically, that's it. Yes. <laughs> that, that's, that's it. <laughs> But but they talk about analytics and and this batting coach, I think the Yankees pitching um, guy a guy who does practice pitching has ten strikeouts a session. I mean, <laughs> what is this pitching coach teaching these guys? I, I mean, I don't Dan know. today looks at a fastball over the middle of the plate with I two saw, strikes. I saw, locked up, I mean, punched what, out. What what it? They got to stop guessing what the guy's pitching Correct. and look for balls that are close Correct. to the plate. And that, and Chris, that comes from scouting reports and preparation in the haters' meetings and all, and all of that, all of the above. Stanton was complete. I saw it completely locked up. And Cohen and O'Neill were talking about it that they, that he was most likely guessing. So what is the the hitting coach doing? I think the the main objective of that hitting coach was to say. We need to see more, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking as if I'm him. We need to see more pitches per plate appearance. And in the Brave series, the game—I mean, the game was like two hours. Two of the three games, or however many games, two of them were, were like two hours long. So that means the Yankees were not working counts. It's just, it's just, it's just ugly from from top to bottom and back up to the top again. Brian and Islip, you're up next here on a fan. Hey, how, how you doing? It's great to talk to you. Hey, likewise. Um, so I, there's so much to cover with this and like everything you guys are talking about, I think is like totally spot on. And I think so with the Yankees, you could compare the Steinbrenners with like the Wilpons and the Dolans and that they were, you have like the second generation of owners who have inherited the hard work and you have Brian Cashman walked in at a time when stick Michael and Showalter built the team like that 96 win. You see little Brian Cashman celebrating with everyone. He did nothing. Mm-hmm. And since then, it, it's kind of just pushed the ball forward. And, and they were handed something. They didn't build it. They didn't work. They didn't do the, the grit. Like, I always say, like, they were, they were born on third base and think they hit the triple, right? They, they yeah. were given this thing. Boone, Aaron Boone was never a great player. His, his brother was better. His father was good. He was like a family inheritance hand down. So, this talk about putting like Jeter and O'Neill in these places is asinine. They're they're awesome players and people and advisors, but like right. the culture of like it was the same with the Dolan son and the Wilpon sons, and and now the the, the Steinbrenner son. They, I don't know what they do. Like I don't know what is going on, but there's no like we're gonna build. They they got to get somebody who's modern and new and fresh, but also old school baseball. Like. That guy that was in the minor leagues who was talking recently about how, like, all the Yankees teach in the minor leagues is, like, exit velo and launch angle. Yeah, I don't know That's about that. I don't know if I believe hard. all that. But it's, some of it's got to be true. Now, some of it maybe is. True, yeah. But you know that that's all they talk about with stats. Like, you know, somebody hits a home run and there's all these graphics and all these things about the exit velos. This, that's all they talk about. Yeah. So if they talk about that on TV, it's what's selling. It's what they think is selling. It's what they think they're trying to bait people into this interest mm-hmm. of, like, let's watch a game and see a guy hit a 500-foot home run. Yeah. And, like, it, it's now the pitch clock and all this stuff has done great things with like the stolen base and the mm-hmm. speed of the game. And like, that's awesome. I love what they've done with that, sure. but they're still the Yankees specifically are still in this garbage thing 
Like, it's, I remember it started with, like, Teixeira. Mark Teixeira, all that guy did was uppercut. Every yep. time he yep. got a pitch, it was an uppercut. Yep. And, like, right around that time is when they all started doing it. And they all wanted to get these guys in there. And, like, Derek Jeter became a GM of Miami, which was, like, his thing he wanted to try. The only thing I think he did good for Miami was get rid of Stanton and get him to the Yankees. I know. And Stanton, Stanton's batting two oh two, and he's in there. Like, I, I, I just think... The, the Steinbrenners, they got to give it up. They got to move on, sell it. They can live the rest of their lives out. Never going to happen. So, Brian, it's, I know, but it's that's, never going to happen. And, and neither is a boycott of the stadium and, and sell the team. It's never going to happen. So it's best that you try to work around it and, and try to rectify it because the Steinbrenners selling team is never going to happen. As long as the earth exists and the game of baseball exists, there will be a Steinbrenner in charge of the New York Yankees and owning the Yankees. Stan, point well taken. Two for 21 over the seven-game losing streak. Two for 21. And it's almost like, what is it, paralysis by analysis, right? Something like that. And Yeah, I think that's I can never get these right. Paralysis by analysis, I think it is, for the Yankees. As far as uh, the, the not being taught things in the minor leagues, um, we could talk about that coming up next. And I also want to try to inject some football here because – we're kind of beating a dead horse, aren't we? I'm Daniel McCartan here with you till till midnight. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. I didn't think we were going to be talking about this tonight, but hey, I go where you want me to go, wherever you take me. So it was just brought up the uh, the, the comments that Ben Ruda made. I was talking about earlier in the week. I didn't think it would still be a story, but apparently it is. So three days ago or so, Ben Ruda goes on a, a podcast, and, and he played, and I'm just looking here, he played as high as Trenton Thunder, double-A ball for the Yankees. That's it. It's as high as he went. And uh, he he slammed the Yankees of, you know, there's nothing being taught there, blah, 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 blah. And, and listen, every time there's stories, there's like X's story, Y's story, and the truth is always in the middle there somewhere. Okay, so, you know, he was asked to give a specific example, and I believe him when he says this. You know, he said in 2020, before COVID hit, spring training, we played a game called pitchers versus hitters. The only way to score a point was to walk or to hit a ball 95 miles an hour or more. That part, I believe. He said there's no baseball being taught there anymore. No base running, no moving runners, no fundamentals. Okay, so so I've talked. One of the main, main topics of my conversation with Anthony Volpe back when he was still in the minor leagues was about how he worked every single day. He told me he worked every single day, minimum 30 minutes a day in base, with base running, minimum. So that's one example one way, one example of the other way. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what this guy's angle is, uh, but I do agree with him. When he says that, he says, I do believe there's a place in the game for analytics. It needs to be a healthy mix. I agree. Um, it's not a knock on the coaches. They were hard to blah, 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 blah. The strategy of running an organization like this is just dumb. That's what Bren Ruda says. But I agree that it needs to be a little bit more blended. I've been saying it and saying it and saying it. And when, you know, when Brian Cashman was up, and listeners to my show know this, uh, if you're a longtime listener, when Brian Cashman was up for a new deal, I thought it would be in the Yankee. I, I said it would be in the Yankees' best interest to go in a different direction. At the time, though, he was working on the judge contract without 
actually having a contract from the Yankees. So again, you would not like if you're Brian Cashman and you didn't think you were going to be brought back, you would you would not be negotiating the contract with Aaron Judge to make him a Yankee for life if you knew you were going elsewhere. Like a player like that, wouldn't you want to take him wherever you go? So there was never a doubt that he was not going to be brought back to this team. Never a doubt. Was it the wrong decision? I believe so. Because, you know, you give him a second chance here to to to, uh, to, to change this roster and, and whatever, and it just didn't work. There's no left fielder. The catcher position can't hit. I mean, question marks at third base, all over the diamond. I mean, honestly, it really. And that, and that's just between when he was given the contract to 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 date to today, all all of that in between. Rodon injury history. That's that's who you're gonna shepherd as your 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 big fish free agent. Oh, guy's oft injured. Seems like a nice guy. He stands in his locker. I've seen him a- answer every single question. But the it's not on him. It's not his fault that he was brought in and paid so much money. It's not his fault. It's a general manager's fault. 877-337-6666. Uh, we'll take some Giants calls here and some Yankees calls. As the If uh, if you're at MetLife Stadium, it's the third quarter. That's about when me and my dad were... Uh, we were getting ready to leave last night, and we ended up making it right into the like, middle, I mean, to the first or second minute of the fir- fourth quarter last night in the Giant game. So if you're thinking about leaving or if you're in your car, leaving MetLife Stadium, leaving the Jets, give me a call. I'm um, interested to see your thoughts. I've been trying to keep one eye on it. It's just kind of hard. Uh, so, again, 877-337-6666. Want to open this nice and wide to a bunch of different topics. And as we check into the Mets game, they're in the top of the eighth. Mets are leading the Cardinals 9-1. to they're not making the postseason, though. The Cardinals are really bad. So we go to uh, Mark in Union County, New Jersey. What's up there, Mark? Hi. I wanted to uh, give a perspective from the outside as an anti-Yankee person um, that uh, win and lose this year, bring them all back. Bring everybody back. Uh, well, you just want to see them continue to lose. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then, unfortunately, I mean, when you look at the contracts, you're going to see pretty much the same team next year. So, uh, Mark, you're going to get your wish. <laughs> yeah, to, you know, uh, either Brian or or the owner is just so stubborn. Um, yep, it's been said a million times, but uh, they went uh, too stubborn about Donaldson, Hicks, Sanchez, Hicks. Yep, etc. Imagine, imagine firing Girardi and keeping Sanchez. I mean, that is the epitome of 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 uh, what do you call it? Uh, stubbornness. Stubborn. Yeah, fire Girardi, keep Sanchez. What? Well, it's a beautiful game between the lines. So, uh, uh, but uh, it, it it is fun. It is fun to root a certain way. Well, it, Mark, it's fun for you. It's not fun for a lot of the callers that are calling me up tonight. That's for sure. I'm just being facetious with you. Uh, but listen, uh, the Yankees are going to be bringing back the pretty much the, the same team next year. Look at the length of those contracts. So. And they'll have about $60 million to spend in free agency, barring any, you know, trades or whatever at the moment. <sighs> yep. Yankee fans, you're in for it. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. We go up to Trumbull, Connecticut. Scott, you're up on the fan. Hi, hello. Hello, Scott. Hi, I want to talk about the Giants. I have a bone to pick with them. Okay. I've been a Giants fan my whole life. All, all right. right. I'm 17 years old. 
I've watched him through the dog days. I watched Eli Manning carry us in the playoffs. And now I have to watch Daniel Jones week in and week out waste $40 million of my team's money that could have went to Saquon Barkley. He is the life of this offense, and we're paying Daniel Jones $44 million to throw for 170 yards, and we pray to Jesus that he doesn't throw an interception or a fumble. I mean, what are we going to do? Do you understand he was almost perfect last night in the preseason game? Do you understand he... he... Preseason game, yeah, sure. he's playing against like second stringers. I'm talking uh, about the playoffs. That's so fine. That's where we are as a team right now. That's fine. And, but uh, you can't say uh, that Saquon me. Barkley didn't get paid. I mean, he he that was the correct move. You you had to pay your quarterback because the Giants, by the way, who don't have a good cap situation in the, in the offseason, their right. their move was... It was, a, it was more... Um, how do I say it? More effective efficient for the organization to tag the running back position rather than the quarterback position. It was more expensive to tag the quarterback and pay the running back. I think you should be happy about that out of this town. I believe me. I'm happy he's back, but he will not be back next year. Look what we did with Odell Beckham Jr. We ran him out of town. He was the life of the offense. And now Daniel Jones, Week in and week out. Like I said, he's a game manager at best. All right. He's got a little. No, I disagree. See, I agree with that. I disagree with that. Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. I'm sorry, I have to disagree with that. He's, he's good for the stats, you know, he's a little stat patter. But when it comes down to it, he can't close out clutch games. He relies on the defense too much. If we put up 17 points a game, I'll be thanking my lucky stars. Are we talking about the same guy that, that won a playoff game that was, like, unexpected? That, that guy? Yeah, that guy who beat a spotty Vikings defense and now coming into this year has all the expectations of a big contract. He's not going to live up to it. I'm going to be living through another five years of this team. I totally disappointed disagree. week in and week I out. I totally disagree with you. So when so when I'm Daniel sorry, Jones I'm, has a great season, you're gonna call me back, Scott, and say you were wrong. Yeah, when he when he throws more than 25 touchdowns and maybe eight picks, because that's what we're expecting. Because you know we're who he was throwing to last year, right? He was throwing to a bunch of nobodies last year. You know that, right? Bunch of nobodies. Yeah, he's got a bunch of rookies this year, and the life of the offense, Saquon Barkley, is to be sitting on the sideline, not wanting to play for us because we're only giving him 11 million dollars a year when he's worth only, 20 million easily. Only, but that but that's the business part of it, Scott. I know you're 17 years old. You'll learn the business part of this. It was more advantageous for the Giants to tag the running back position. Think of it as positions. Tag the running back position and give the contract to the quarterback position. They were going to save more money as an organization from a team standpoint. It was the right move to make. And he's not going to be back next year? Oh yeah, well they could tag him again next year. And they could tag him again the year after that because he signed a one-year deal. He signed a deal. So he's going to be a Giant for at least two more seasons if the Giants want him there. I mean, let, let's 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 really get into it. He's going to have a phenomenal season. Jones and Barkley. But let, let's let's look at it objectively here. Objectively speaking, Joe Shane made the right move because in, they're not flush with money. This Giants team, they're not flush with money. So to put this team in the best situation moving forward, he did the right thing. And it all worked out. So be happy. Be happy. Sonny and Montclair's up next here on The Fan. Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, when the smoke clears a year from now or so, whenever the Yankees get better again, we're going to look back and we're going to say, I can't believe we even thought these players were good or, or they were even trying because they're not trying. Which ones? Sorry. They're not trying. Who? Which and ones? This is rot. That's but Sonny, who? Who? Which ones? I, I want to know because yeah, I want to look sorry, back at Yan- this a year from now. The Yankees. The Yankees. The whole team. Well, you, the, the Yankees. The, the whole team. The whole team. The whole. And like you had mentioned that I'm usually lockstep with you on things. But you had said 
Boone's going to be scapegoating. There's no scapegoating here. He is a, an awful manager. He, if I had to choose one, I'd want Cashman to go because then That's the GM would get rid of Boone. And the philosophy would change. On that. Right. But you know what? Getting up in front in a post game and banging your fist or saying it's all in front of us, actions speak louder than words. In the first inning, when I saw Bader overthrow the cutoff man, mm-hmm. and I said to myself, no doubt the runner at first on a good team or a decent team went to second, and obviously he did. They've been making bonehead plays like that for several years now, even though when they were making the playoffs. They had a team that was good enough to make the playoffs, and then they like to say there was a crapshoot. That yeah, I don't was like their that. Out. I don't like that. That was their, that was their out. Yeah. But you know what? People, you, it's really getting ugly. I mean, you know why? Because they're finally realizing that this is no joke, and it's not about wins and losses. They took advantage and took for granted their fan base because of the prices they charge, the emotion that's invested. What I think is going to be really interesting is when they have that fire cashman night uh, next month is going to be, this is not 20 years ago. If they start grabbing fans or collecting signs or yeah. whatever, oh, yeah. everybody's got phones. Yep. You, you know, I'm just behind the scenes. I wonder how the Yankees are going to just deal with this. Do you let the fans blow off Steam. I'm know. not talking about violence. I'm just talking about do you do you try to confiscate? You don't want that optic that's going to go viral. And right. this, this organization is kind of old and cranky and and, the, and and stale in their business model. Correct. I don't think they're in touch with the reality of the new world. And fans who just want to have a good time. There are other entertainment choices. Having a guy, when you think of the arrogance, one game away from the World Series, you pulled a guy out of the broadcast. And, and, then, fi- and, and fire the manager who brought the, and, and under, right, yeah, the to, baby Yankees all the way there. And to spew his blue sky platitudes. I'm not talking about throwing people under the bus, Danielle. But when people strike out 18 times, don't say we had good swing. Yeah, I don't want to hear that either. Or don't say that and Rodon looks out of shape and Bader gets picked off. and nobody. Donald Stanton doesn't run home at more than Stanton 60%. Even if, right, and you allow all this stuff. It's like the substitute teacher. Boone is a nice guy. And I'll tell you, I'll give you a little something. I know his mom. I've interviewed his mom multiple times. They're a great family. Sure the nicest man on earth. He's a great man. He is, he is, but he's not a manager. He's not a man. Just the way he's, he's doing it tonight. But Todd Bowles isn't a head coach. That's right. Defensive coach. Sonny, I was everybody thinking about knows, that, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody knows their play. Like, and I'm on a season ticket holder for the Jets, too. The Jets are going for it. They finally, Douglas figured it out. That's what everybody's excited, excited about. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, they, at least they're trying. I want to see how care. That's all I want. Yeah, I know. It's not the wins and losses. It's the caring. Yep. Bring back the Yankee brand. Yeah, exactly, Sonny. That's a good call. Um, and, and I was thinking about that today. I, I saw Todd Bowles this morning, actually. And I was thinking about it when I was driving home. And I was like, you know, Todd Bowles, he's not a head coach. But he's a great defensive coordinator. And that's okay to be a great defensive coordinator. You don't always have to be the head coach. So funny. I was thinking about that this morning. Get out of my head, Sonny. All right, 877-337-6666 is the phone number to get aboard. Talk about the Daniel Jones and the Darren Waller connection. 
it's going to be a problem for opposing defenses every week. And I'm Danielle McCartan. Again, it's it's time to get excited about the Giants offense. Again, 877-337-6666. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan hanging with you till the stroke of midnight here on this beautiful, the night of a beautiful Saturday. Um, Connor, I just... What's going on in uh, in the Jet game? Who's on the stretcher? It's a it's a Bucks player being let off on the cart. Uh, people are clapping for him. They took his face mask off. I don't know what happened, but they are driving him off the field on the cart. Scary situation there at MetLife. I don't know who. I can't read his number either. The camera's not getting uh, getting his number. Um, well, I'll keep you posted on that. Scary. Looks like a scary situation out there in MetLife. Uh, best, best wishes to him. Prayers up to him, to that Bucks player. Um, I'm trying to see if it's trending. I'll keep you posted on that. Is it Hoyer? Let's see. Nope. No. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say the wrong thing here. So I'm going to. Uh, let me check one more. No. Don't know who it was, but uh, concern looks on all of the faces of all the players as they get. Kyle Trask joins the huddle, and it's Bucks ball with a one minute left in the third quarter. So I'll keep you posted on that. And if you, if you know what happened, you know, tweet me because the phone lines are jammed. So you can tweet me at Coach M C C A R T A N on that. I actually, just ran to go fill up my water on the break, and uh, I don't exactly know what happened there. So eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I did want to talk about really quickly here the the Daniel Jones Darren Waller connection. I think, in my opinion, it's going to be a problem for opposing defenses. A problem. Uh, I was a guest on Raider Nation Radio, uh, the official Raider sta- the official radio station of the Raiders. And they asked me, they were like, hey, Danielle, what do you think, um, how do you think the Giants are going to use Darren Waller in their offense? And I was like, Dude, there's no, definitely as a pass-catching wide receiver type. And like I said, I alluded to this. My dad and I, Went to MetLife Stadium last night. We saw the Giants and the Panthers. And, and thanks again for the tickets, Ashley. Um, but we made sure to be in our seats at kickoff to make sure that we saw the first-team offense on the field. And let me tell you, maybe I don't need to tell you, but the Jones-Waller connection, it's going to be a problem. The two of them looked as in sync, and not not the boy band, just shout out Justin Timberlake, but as in sync as they possibly could. And it was their first time playing together on a field in a game situation against, you know, you know all, all of it. They looked really good. The first three plays of the game were Jones to Waller. There was a six-yard catch, a 12-yard catch, and then finally an incompletion. But Waller kind of, was just kind of popped. And then it, uh, just a few plays later, they went back to him. Another 12-yard reception on third down. So for, for the first drive, for the night, only the first drive they played together, Jones to Waller, three for four for thirty yards in the opening drive, and I know it was preseason, but there's a they they looked good together, and I just I loved what I back up a little bit. I love what I saw from Daniel Jones in that one drive he played, rolled out, scrambled for yardage, spread the ball around the field to five different pass catchers on one drive: Campbell, Hyatt, Waller, Hodgins, Bellinger for the touchdown. And, and Waller commented on it after the game. He said, this is a quote, I see the opportunity for great balance. A lot of guys that can touch the football and make things happen. 
then Jones on Waller after the game last night. He said he's a good target, runs good routes, creates separation. He's an easy guy to find. Oh, that's exactly what you want to hear. But the best thing, 25 plays and 75 yards later, Daniel Jones put the exclamation point on the drive with that touchdown pass to Daniel Daniel uh, Bellinger. And I, I posted that touchdown pass, I believe, to my social media channels, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, and I wrote the caption, too easy. Like, it looked too – they marched down the field, which the team has struggled in the past to do that, drive stalling all over the place, settling for field goals. They marched down the field, and it was just too easy. Preseason, I know – but there's a lot to like there. And Kayvon Thibodeau looked awesome. Next-gen stats. He had an average get-off time of 0.67 seconds. Some perspective on that number. The average human blink is 300 milliseconds. Kayvon Thibodeau was off the line in 670 milliseconds. That's insane. And my dad even said at one point, he was like, and LT was my dad's favorite player. He said, he looks like LT. And by the way, I went out to breakfast this morning, sat earlier this morning, Saturday morning. Uh, the host walked us to our table and he said, hey, uh, as we're sitting down, he goes, you guys know who Daniel Jones is? Like, I looked at him like, yeah. And then I said, yeah, why? And he said, oh, he pulled out his phone. He was like, because you guys missed him by like less, a little less than an hour. He was just here. He pulled out his phone and a picture of him and Daniel Jones. Can you imagine that? Just a regular old breakfast place in Jersey. And if I would have been there, I would have said to Daniel Jones, A, I've always believed in you, and B, come on my show. For sure, I would have invited here for, for me, for us, for him. But anyway, I'll, I, that was. I wish I would have seen him. Damn. But, I don't know, just a lot to like from the, the, the Giants' first-string offense last night. And uh, it was crowded at the stadium last night, I would say. More crowded than I thought it was going to be. And that's a good sign. Or maybe it's just a sign of how bad our baseball has been around here. <laughs> 877-337-6666. Sid in Riverdale. You're up, Sid. Go ahead. Hey, Danielle. How are you? Great. How are you? Oh, I'm so I'm so disgusted with the Yankees. Yeah. I, I, I never, you know, Danielle, I started watching the Yankees in the early 80s. Um and I lived through all the stump Merrill, Dallas Green, Bucky Dent. Um, and you want to know something? I've watched a lot of... I, I was only a teenager then. And um, I watched I watched some of the, the games on YouTube. And i got to be honest. They were more exciting than watching what I'm seeing now. It's, I've never seen such... That's garbage. It's lackadaisical. I, I, I hate to be so yeah, I know. It's lackadaisical. It looks uninspired. I'm with you on that. Yeah. And now, and now, and now, the Yankees are sick animals. I, I, I mean, where, where do we? How do? Where do we talk like that? Um, as, as, as a manager, I don't know how you feel about it, but that's like saying um, we're dying. I mean, that, that's I mean, that's really offensive. I don't know how you feel about that. What was the did, quote? Where, what was the quote? We're, oh, he did, uh, we're Alan sick Boone animals. How did I miss that? Interviewed. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he, he said that the Yankees right now are, we're, we're, um, they call them sick animals right now. That It was during see, the, I, uh, yeah. the yes. I don't, I honestly, Sid, I actually watched that whole entire thing and I don't know how I missed it. He, the quote was after today's loss, he said, we're sick animals in a lot of ways. It's the grind it's of the, the sport. Yeah. We've got to come ready to come tomorrow and fight our way through this. 
you find out about people. Oh, yeah, I remember that part. You find out about people, you get your character revealed. We're sick animals. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, maybe we meant we're like savage, walking. We're, we're, and, we're, and we're savages in the box. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sick. Maybe walking wounded. May I, I? There's a. There's got to be a better way to put that. Sick animals. I, yeah. yeah. And you, and you want to know something, Daniel? And and moving forward to 2024, I. You know, and two years ago when they said, "Oh, this team is is unwatchable and and we, we stink." So now, where, where do we go from from here? And where does Brian Sabian and Omar Minaya play a role in this? I, I I don't know. They were brought in to be that that old school kind of mentality, the checks and balances to the analytics approach, and it didn't change anything. It just didn't change anything. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I don't know. I don't know what role they are because apparently, no matter who they bring in, it's Brian Cashman's call either way. He's got final say on anything. It seems to be to me. What's the term? Is it oligarchy? What does an oligarchy mean? I'm just diving into the depths of my. A small group of people having control of a country, organization, or institution. See that? That's like middle school social studies. Sounds like an oligarchy to me. And the oligarchy members are Brian Cashman. And then that's it, Brian Cashman. So maybe it's more of a dictatorship. I don't really know. Uh, we got a quick update here from Emmanuel. Uh, a quick break, quick update. I'm back with you. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 12. Here Welcome back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. We walk this way, talk this way at 877-337-6666. Uh, want to try to infuse some football into this conversation, of course, but um, big story of the day seems to be the Yankees. I don't, it's just, I mean, we've been having the same conversation for a lot of this Yankee season right here on my show. The question is, is it good pitching against this Yankees offense? Or is the offense really just this bad? It's over. It's no debate. It's completely over now. It's terrible offense. I am tired of seeing this Yankees team make these quadruple A opposing pitchers look like Cy Young candidates. Chris Kirshner of The Athletic summed it up pretty well. He had a tweet earlier today that said, Cutter Crawford is the 49th opposing pitcher to go at least six innings and allow two or fewer runs against the Yankees. That's 40% of their games. And now, this is me saying this, now they are 9-40 and in those games. Like, what? In this latest edition, the Yankees lineup made Cutter Crawford, who brought a 3.8 ERA into today's game, look like Cutter Maddox. He no-hit the Yankees through five innings. The Yankees did not get a single hit until the sixth inning, which was Judge's home run. One, you know, one hit off Cutter Maddox, one run off Cutter Maddox. His name, I know his name isn't Cutter Maddox. It's Cutter Crawford. I, I get that. But I'm trying to make a point here. I'm trying to be facetious here. So ultimately, Cutter Maddox only gave up one hit, one run on one swing to Aaron Judge. The Red Sox starting pitcher, one hit the New York Yankees. The Bronx Bombers on 82 pitches, six innings, Five strikeouts. And Boone, after the game, said this. Quote, I thought he had a presence up in the zone. I thought we had some pitches throughout the day that we could have done something with. We weren't just, we just weren't able to. He's had a good year for them. Cutting the ball, pulled the string a little bit, but just not good enough. 
had a good year for them? Really? It, I know it, it definitely was not good enough, but a good year? Come on. I mean, his, his FIP fielding independent pitching number is below league average. He came into this game with an ERA of almost four. I mean, just bad, like so bad. So is it a coincidence that every one of these pitchers in 40% of the games are having their best game ever against the Yankees or just the offense is that bad? That's it. The offense is that bad. Because for a little frame of reference here, the New York Mets a month ago hit two home runs off the same Cutter Crawford, air quotes, Maddox. Two home runs. Chased him out after four innings pitched. He almost completely blanked the New York Yankees today. That's all you really need to know. The Yankees, I mean, it's, it's all awful. And Israel, Abba Kinkanda, I'm sorry, Abba Kinkanda, the, the Izzy, the running back for the, for the Jets, uh, he should be fine. He's walking off the field, not under his own power, but he ran into the back of the leg of a lineman, yeah, he is putting no pressure on that leg. That's a that's that's a that could be bad. But almost to me, it looks like kind of like a dead leg. It wasn't like a non-contact injury, so it's better than that. I'll keep an eye on that as well. A lot going on in this check game, by the way. Lots going on. And oh, the injured buck was a quarterback John Wolford. Um, he was cut off the field uh, after taking a uh, after being sacked by the Jets, basically, and it was the initial hit. So they brought him off on a stretcher. Um, Going to have TJ Reeves on in about an hour or so. We'll check in with him on that. Anyway, eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. As the Mets score becomes final, New York Mets thirteen, St. Louis Cardinals two. Home runs from DJ Stewart, Mar- uh, Mark Vogelback, and. Uh, it was Pete Alonzo, too, I believe. So, Mets, offensive explosion. Yankees could use some of that. We go to Derek in Princeton, New Jersey. What's up there, Derek? Hey, thanks for taking the call. Hey, thanks for making um, it. I will make my Yankee point. Uh, I am also a Raider fan. So, Waller, the issue with Waller is he's great, but he, he's, he doesn't stay healthy. Wow, that's I've watched him. For last, I watched him. He sat out a lot last year, last couple of years. So, um, good luck with him. If he plays, he's great, but he doesn't play. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um. My issue with is with the Yankees is it's not going to change. It's because, in my opinion, I think a lot of people have this: is how is not George? Um, he doesn't have the passion to win like George did. He inherited the team. He doesn't want to go over the luxury tax, so he just doesn't have that drive. He doesn't have uh, Uncle Steve Cohen's drive that you know, the, our crosstown rivals have now, it's almost like we are the Wilpons and the Mets are the Steinbrenners of oh, years ago. That, that, that's awful. That's an awful scenario. It is. Bad. It is, but it's, a, it's the truth. You know, here's the thing. Maybe, and let's maybe think of it this way. If you're Hal Steinbrenner, you've got the second highest payroll in all baseball, right? Let's just say. Maybe you don't want to push it another step to the next luxury tax threshold because you're unhappy with what is already on the books. Could that be possible? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. It could be, but he's also looking at it to make money. Right. He, I think he's looking at this not as to win, but as a business, making money. And as long as people go to these games and pay their, pay their tickets and, and Yes makes money and Merch makes money and all this other stuff, he, 
that's all that matters to him, in my opinion. He doesn't have that win-at-all-cost that the old man had. Well, I mean, it's fair. I, I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say, um, but listen, I, I don't like comparing. I just don't like the, com- the comparisons. I think you're right when you say how Steinbrenner's about making money. It's a business and, and all that, right? The Yankees have been perennially good. Really, they really have. And they had 42,559, I believe, exact number, people at the stadium today. As bad as they've been, they had a 90% full capacity stadium today. So the dollars are still rolling in, aren't they? 877-337-6666. We go down to Florida. Michael is listening on the Odyssey app. What's up, Michael? Hey, how's it going, Danielle? Good. How are you? All right. Um, I want to talk about the Giants. And this, this caller a few minutes back got me a little fired up here about Daniel Jones. Okay? Mm-hmm. Can we just take a trip down memory lane for a moment here? Two years ago, this team was an absolute disaster, right? New regime comes in. Jones got a new GM, got a new coach. First year with an offense with practically no weapons, right? And what does he do? He takes the team to the playoffs. Yeah. He wins a playoff game. Yeah. But this guy didn't seem to be satisfied with that. He's, he's harping on, oh, they didn't really play a good Minnesota team. Well, what about the fact that they got to the playoffs and he won a playoff game? Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, you can only play who's on the schedule got, in front of you. Uh, exactly. And now, now, what happens in the offseason? The Giants make the trade. They bring Waller in. Yeah. Right? They draft Hyatt. Paris you're Campbell. Barkley back. Yeah, Campbell, right? And then you hopefully you have a little bit of maybe a healthy Sterling Shepard. Remember, he missed last season, too. So, But the key thing is he's the second year now in the offense. That's he's only it. in the first year of the offense last year. That's okay? it. Yep. I, was, I, watched, I know you were at the game. I watched the game, and it was just the precision. I know it's a preseason game. I don't want to get too crazy right. optimistic. But you got to start somewhere. And I just saw him lethally just going down the field and yep. saying, you know what, this giant team is going to be interestingly tough to stop on offense if these guys stay healthy. Yep. That's that's what I see. I but agree. And, and, is- Michael, yeah, a lot of people sorry. don't realize that he had, like, what, he, including his last year at Duke, he had, like, what, three offenses in four years or four offenses that's, in five years or something? Right? It's ridiculous. I mean, look, have, have you watched the, the – Quarterbacks on Netflix. If anybody listening has watched quarterbacks on Netflix, you and you watch them studying, you understand like how difficult it is to learn a new system. And I'm not making an excuse for a guy who's making forty million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. I'm not, but right. the level of right. comfort in the 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 second year in an offense, it, it's it speaks volumes. He's much more comfortable, and you could see it already. Oh. Absolutely. And let me tell you something. The way these contracts are going, that's going to be a bargain in three years, that deal. We'll see. So, I hope so. I, I hope so. I hope so. But anyway, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks again for taking the call. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate that. And that's a great point that people also forget, and I forgot to mention. It's his second year in the same offense. I feel like the second time in his career or something like that. He's got stability for the first time in his Giants career, whether that be from the head coach, from the offensive coordinator being switched on him. This, that, the other thing. Like, finally... He's got a little bit of stability. Now, the Giants have a tough schedule this year. But I expect Daniel Jones to, to, to be good, better than he even was. I thought he was good last year. He's going to be better than that this year, I promise you. Especially if they could stretch the field. He is above league average based on quarterback rating. 
for the past, I believe me, I've been talking about this, for the past two seasons, above 20 yards, 20 yards or more, all the way down the left uh, sideline, all the way down the right sideline, he's above league average. As soon as the Giants can figure that out and stretch the field that way, the better. I expect Jalen Hyatt to be a big part of it. 877-337-6666 in the order that you called. We go to Barbara in Hicksville. You're up next on The Fan. Hello? Hello, Barbara. Hi, how are you doing, Daniel? Are you doing a great job? Thank you. Um, I totally agree with you. They need to clean house. Just getting rid of boom, that does nothing. It does nothing, yep. It does nothing. Um, if Steinbrenner and Cashman are tied together so tight, it, it took years to get into this dish. It's going to take them years to get out. You know, they're not going to get out of this in by next year, especially if they have all this money locked up, right? Yep. Whereas there's only so much uh, Hal Steinbrenner is going to spend. He's not going to go crazy. Right, and well, get I to mean, a luxury tax. You I know? mean, the second highest payroll in all baseball this year, you know? So the best case scenario is if they move Brian Cashman to some, like, emeritus role or some some other role and bring it a forward-thinking GM in here because I believe the game has passed Brian Cashman by. Well, another thing, the Yankees always, their statement is always, if they don't win the World Series, it's been a failure, Yeah. right? Yep. So everyone's saying how Brian Cashman's had all these years of success, da 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 da, da. Look what happened last year, okay? Whether it be Cleveland, then as soon as it got to Houston, what happened? They fell apart, mm-hmm. right? They four straight. They did nothing. They were lifeless, right? Yeah, I mean, yes. That's they got ca- swept by the Astros. Swept yeah. by the Astros and didn't make a change. What does that tell you? And look at Houston last year in the World Series, right? Justin Verlander, great pitcher. He wasn't even the best pitcher they had. Yeah. He was maybe the third best pitcher they had. You had the Framber, what, Valdez, mm-hmm. and, you know, and uh, Christian Javier, whatever. They were better than him. That tells you how good the pitching staff is, right? Yeah. It, it just. It, but the thing is, Barbara, where, where the Astros have far exceeded the Yankees is their offense. Their offense is, is they, they can hit up and down that line. Or at, then, at that, at that point at least, they can hit up and They have hitters that get on base, run the bases, up and down the lineup. That's what you're seeing from the Braves. There's not there's not a exhale when you get to like the fifth batter, like in this Yankees lineup. Pretty much not even the fifth batter for this Yankees lineup. But what I'm saying is there's there's no if you're the pitcher, you're not looking at like, okay, if I can get to the number six batter, I, I can do it. No. The Yankees the, the Braves are built that way this year, and even last year. The Yankees are not built that way, and that's a problem. Where the Astros have far exceeded them in all of the years of the Astros, you know. Whipping their butts, including last year, they can hit the ball, and the Yankees cannot. They just can't do it. Seven-game losing streak. They, they, they're, you know, um, over the seven-game losing streak for the Yankees. These players, I'll, I'll tell you how how they're hitting. But these are the players: Bowers, Bader, Wortvet, Stanton, Torres. Five players. They are nine. For 98. Nine for 98 in this seven-game losing streak. That's embarrassing. Robbie and Lennox are up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How you doing? I can't wait for Ranger season. Preseason opens <laughs> October 12th. <laughs> I mean, you know, let me tell you something. All right, all right. I got, I got, I got to get this off my chest. I, you know, I didn't watch the game today, and I paid $150 for the baseball package. Obviously, I lived in Massachusetts now for a long time. All right, I grew up my whole life going to the Bronx. My dad's office was watched 10 minutes from the Yankee Stadium. I have never been so embarrassed to be a fan of this team in my life. I mean, it's an abomination. You have-
scored 43 runs. He scored five runs in 43 innings. And this apathetic jerk, I'm sorry, that's what I'm going to call him, an apathetic jerk, and I feel sorry for him because Tom Connor tells me, oh, well, they're in the locker room every day. They're, they're here, like, competing. I mean, Aaron Boone, could you just say we stink, we suck, we're embarrassing? Can you just have some cojones and tell your team they stink? I mean, I'm so sick of this garbage, Danielle. And, and if they don't get rid of Brian Cashman this year, I will never watch another Yankee game in my life. Because this is embarrassing. And John Carlos Stanton, I don't care what they have to do with this guy. Eat the damn contract. Get rid of it. I cannot stand another at bat. I mean, the man's here, what, 198? Look at the averages on this team. And every year it's the same garbage. And how in the world Hal Steinbrenner could bring Cashman back after they hit 190 against Cleveland and barely beat these guys mm-hmm. and are absolutely humiliated by the Astros? Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the answer? You know what the answer is? Trade Garrett Cole. Why would Garrett Cole want to stay here? Why would he want to fulfill a nine-year contract with this pathetic group of, of players? And it, I cannot believe what's happened to this organization. It's embarrassing. I mean, do these guys have any pride at all? Maybe they should sit down and watch Pride of the Yankees, Okay. I mean, Daniel, I've never seen anything like it in my whole life. Yeah. I, I cannot believe it. I mean, the numbers, I mean, they make a cut across it. They turn every, they turn every picture in the city. And by the way, Dylan Lawson is somehow somewhere in America laughing his proverbial ass up. It must have been the batting coach, Daniel. Yeah. I guess we have to bring Sean Casey in. You can bring Ted Williams from back from the dead. It wouldn't matter with the team. Uh. <laughs> it's a joke. I mean, what? Okay, so, okay, I'm going to let you play GM now. We're going to bring Daniel McCartney to the game. Yeah. You would do a better job than Big Brian. I mean, a blind man would be better than Brian Cashman. So, okay, if you're the Yankees next year, right, what do you do? What do you do to turn this team around, to make this team competitive again? So I'll, I'll listen for your game plan. And by the way, you talk about Daniel Jones and the Giants. I'm so looking forward to the Giants season because – Brian Gable, you know, Aaron Boone ought to learn from that. Aaron Boone ought to watch Brian Gable in the skylight <laughs> yeah. about accountability, okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. All right? Brian Gable will get in your face. Aaron Boone, you get in every face of an umpire. How about getting in the face of a player? I agree. I mean, like, Robbie, right? when that happened, when he went up to yeah. that umpire, and I said it, I said, I would love to see it more. I love the outburst for the umpire. Don't get me wrong. Because that umpire was wrong. The, the umpire scorecard came, out, scorecard came out, and it was awful. But to get in his face, I mean, I love when Brian Gable walked right up to Daniel Jones and got right in his face. Right in his face. And guess what? He's a better player for it. But my plan, oof, Connor's giving me the break signal, but I would I would start with not trading Garrett Cole. I would not trade Garrett Cole. Um, especially because rotation would be worse than the Mets if you trade Garrett Cole. So I would not trade Garrett Cole. I'm very short here. Um, I, I would need to bring in a left fielder that makes contact, uh, preferably left-handed, uh, with the $60 million that, that I would be expected to have um yeah that's just the start of it i don't even know that's just the start of it i'd have to really look at who's available and it's not time to do that yet this season is still going on um i would have a plan but my generally speaking my plan would be to bring in more contact hitters and more people that can steal bases get with the the modern game here quote-unquote modern game 877-337-6666 is the number to call my name is daniel mccartan with you till 12 here on a fan Welcome back to The Fed. My name is Daniel McCartney. Thank you for another 90 minutes. A little bit of Giants, a little bit of Jets. We're heading home from MetLife Stadium at the two-minute warning here in the fourth quarter. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. What was the environment like? 877-337-6666. And, uh, you know, R.E., the Isaiah Kiner-Falefa bunt. It was the right mindset. Totally wrong execution of it from both the individual perspective 
And from the team philosophy perspective in today's Yankee game, A, yes, it, it was the right mindset. Like, yes, you want to try to move the runner. You want to try and get in base at the same time. And for an offense that look, looks as anemic as the Yankees' offense does, Isaiah Kainafalefra, who is a contact hitter, is the guy to do it. Fact. However, look at the game situation. Number one, you had John Carlos Stanton at first base. The same John Carlos Stanton that got tagged out running home after running at what? Like 50%? Maybe that's being generous around third base that game. Do you think he's hustling to second base to beat out the potential lead run, get out kind of throw? No. The answer is no. Not a chance. And then number two, Isaiah Kainer-Falefa, why did he pop that, that bunt up? Because he dropped the bat head. That is fundamental baseball, softball, 101. I teach it all the time. There's a lower pitch than anticipated. What you do is, you're in your crouch, right? You have to bend at the knees and go down and get the ball. You keep the bat at the same angle, but you bend your knees and move your body down. You don't drop the bat head. Want to know why? Because that's exactly what happens. It pops up. And yes, the catcher made a great play on it. Look at the replay. You'll see he tips the bat down towards the, the bat head down towards the ground. That's why it pops up. And number three, situationally, again, it's not the time to be doing it. You're down four nothing on a team that, oh, by the way, does not bunt regularly, is not fast enough on the bases to bunt regularly. I mean, the Jets were ranked this season so far 23rd in the league. In sack bunts per game. And I know this wasn't a sack bunt, but I couldn't find, you know, bunts in play per game. But if if, if you find it, send it to me. But I'm going to venture to guess that that statistic is, is even worse. That ranking is even worse. So what were they doing? Well, here's IKF's explanation after the game. Paraphrased, paraphrased in a, a Brian Hoke two tweets. He said, kind of said that the Yankees scouting report said that Cutter Crawford has issues throwing to bases. The intent was to have Crawford throw the ball away and spark a rally. IKF pointed out that Volpe also squared to bunt later in the game, but couldn't make contact. This was part of their game plan today. What? It goes back to the Yankees haven't done it all season long, so why start today? And I read that as hoping for a pitcher to throw a ball away to spark a rally? Hoping? Come on, man. Hope is not a game plan. Enough. Enough. That's that's embarrassing. The whole thing is a comedy of errors. It's embarrassing. 877-337-6666. Peter in Westchester County. What's up, Peter? Oh, hey, Danielle. How are you? Oh, all right. How are you? Okay, uh, good. So um, my, my major point is that uh, I don't think... Uh, Cashman is the issue. It's uh, Steinbrenner. How? And um, but how? Uh, and I can tell you because we can do simple math, right? So if if they got let's say Shohei Otani or uh, Soto, and let's say they got five thousand more fans uh, in the seats, you know, paying two hundred dollars, you know, and not even including jerseys and everything else, mm-hmm. and they got it got that over eighty one games. That's eighty one million dollars, excluding everything else that comes with, you know. Uh, you know, getting one of these high-profile players. 
So but, but it's not such is, simple math, though. What is the financial issue? I know, what, but what is Peter, issue? Peter, that's fine and all, and I'll, I'll let you finish, but there, you know, you also have to pay salaries of employees and, like, keep the stadium open and pay parking, like, all of this stuff. It come, I mean, you know what I mean? It's not like this is the revenue stream. It's not like, you know, managing a household. Like, it, you could, that would work for my household. It's one line of income. One, you know what I mean? Okay. I'm not, an, I'm not an economist, but I don't, I can't imagine it's that easy. Because you also have the, by the well, way, you also have the jersey patch, the, the patch that they have. They're making twenty five million dollars a year by having that patch on their jersey. So add that in, a different revenue stream. Where does the money go exactly? I don't know. Well, well, that, well that's what I'm saying. So, so listen, an extra five thousand fans a game, assuming that that's what it would be. You don't have to hire more staff. You know, no, but, I mean, the, the concessions people are still working. The, uh, right, the but they have to get paid working. from somewhere. They have to get paid from somewhere, Peter. And, and it's not it's not as simple as that. And, and I don't work for the organization. I've never worked for an organization. People that run big companies could probably tell you better. It's not that simple. It's not you spend $200 on a ticket, $200 goes to Shohei Otani. It's not that simple. Okay, so to blame it on Hal, I don't think so. I think Hal's very willing to spend the money. Honestly, I just don't... I, I don't. I mean, I know he doesn't want to go over the next luxury tax threshold because I don't think he's happy where he's at. What, what what his payroll looks like now? Honestly, we we did the math before. Like, how? Like, what was it? Twenty two percent of the payroll is wrapped up on guys either playing for other teams or just three, four players. Three of them are on the IL. One is playing for a different team. Like that, you can't be happy with how your money's being spent. So I don't blame it on how. If you want to blame it on how that he can't, um, I don't know the expression without being rude, but he doesn't have the guts to fire Brian Cashman, then I'm all ears. But you can't you can't say that he doesn't want to spend the money really to put a good product out there. It's the second highest payroll in all baseball. You can't do that. But if you want to say, get on the phone and say, hey, Hal doesn't have the guts to fire Brian Cashman. He's been with the organization forever. He doesn't have the guts to do it. I, bel- I I'm on your side. I am. But the money thing, it's not that simple. There's revenue streams from TV. I don't even know all the revenue streams for that Yankees. And then I don't know the expenses of the team. Maybe 100 revenue streams in and 1,000 revenue streams out. I don't know how it works. But it's not that simple. You can't break it down that way. You just can't do it. We go to Marty in Asbury, New Jersey. What's up, Marty? What's up, Danielle? Oh, you know, doing that, a show. Uh, that that last caller is 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 on absolute crack. By the way. Well, let's not do that. That's not that's not funny. Um, the Yankees aren't good because they have a two hundred eighty-four million payroll and a hundred four million dollars wrapped up in the bad contracts. That's that's why they're not good. Yeah, if I were and to total it up, did you do the math? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, I I mean, you have. You have Rodon. I mean, you have Hicks that you're paying ten million for. You have um, Rodon twenty two point eight. Josh Donaldson twenty one. Yeah. Montas I mean, seven Donald- five. Yep. Uh, let's Stanton. If you want to do that, that's thirty two. Yeah. 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 Do that. That's a contract. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So now you have hundred four million wrapped up in the bad contracts. That's why the Yankees aren't performing because they don't have a two hundred eighty million dollar payroll. Hypothetically, they're really really working with about $180 million worth of players. Correct. And actually, right now on the injured list, they have $80 million wrapped up on the I.L. $80 million. Correct. Right. Correct. So, So, wait. So, so this is – wait, wait, let's see. So, the active payroll within – if you subtract out the I.L. money, right? So, the active payroll will be $185. I'm curious to see – bear with me here – 
185 would put them at 14th in the league. Oh, well, it would be 13th because they'd be moved. They'd have the 13th highest payroll, actually, at that point. All right, and that's not even talking about Stanton. Who literally Correct. can't even you know, walk and chew gum right now. So, um, LeMahieu, Rizzo, yada, yada, yada. So, they, they, they're, they're $104 million behind the eight ball right now. Yep. So, that's why Al Steinbrenner's not going to spend money. Correct. If it, George stroke checks to get Cashman out of jams like this. He did it all the time. Hmm. And the power of the was in Steinbrenner's checkbook and his ability to just dump whatever dollars into the team to, 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 to get rid of these bad decisions. Hmm. They're not doing it anymore. They're not. And this is what you see. So you're going to have to cycle out of it. The problem is, by the time you cycle out of it, it's probably going to be about three years. Then you're facing Aaron Judge, who's going to be 35, yeah. Cole, who's going to be 36, those two are going to be making $80 million wrapped up in two players. So now those are essentially going to be another two bad contracts because you're going to have, you know, Aging. players of that age. Right. Yeah. $80 million. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's only one way to fix this whole thing. His name is Theo Epstein. Well, right. Okay? And all he, did, all he did was break about 200 years <laughs> worth of between two organizations. Yeah. Two entire franchises, they need a new face in it. So I don't know if they're going to let Cashman bow out gracefully and let his let his run go over and maybe clean up these clean up these um, contracts for the next guy and bring in somebody who's really going to revamp everything. You know, be, be, because he has been with them for 25 years, and you don't just throw somebody out on the street. I know. You just don't do that. Yeah, Marty, I get it. I, I'm with you on all that. I that's that's a logical plan moving forward. I don't think the Yankees are going to do it. I'm sorry. I just I'm not trying to defend them. I just can't see a pathway for them to doing it. Uh, to do, I, I love the idea. I can't see a pathway for them to do it. <sighs> I know it's frustrating. I know. Um, let's see. Do we want to do some Jets? Do we wanna, or do we want to save that for tomorrow? You know what? It's either going to be Yankees or Jets coming up. My name is Daniel McCartan. I'm with you till 12 a.m. here on the Fan. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan, hanging with you to 12 here on WFAN Radio in New York City. Yeah, with today's 8-1 to loss to the Boston Red Sox, Yankees have now lost seven, count them, count them, seven in a row. It's their longest losing streak in t- almost exactly two years. And it's the latest um, into a season when the Yankees have been 500, or under 500, I'm sorry, since 1992 when I was in diapers. And don't look now, but the Mets have taken four straight and six out of seven. Can they make the postseason? No. No, they cannot. And if you looked at those seven games, that that little streak that the Mets have of their own, if you look at the six worst teams in the league, those wins that they've compiled are against two out of the six worst teams in the league, the Pirates and the Cardinals. So, the Mets are going to be watching the postseason from the exact same place the Yankees are. Their couches. 877-337-6666. And what a shame that's going to be. Again, Daniel McCartan here with you until 12. In the order that you call, we go down to Orlando, Florida. Tom is listening on the Odyssey app. What's up, Tom? Hi, Daniel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. I just wanted to talk Yankees for a second. Um... I think some of these players have just checked out. 
it doesn't matter what kind of message Boone can try to spread. It, they, 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 they just checked out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. as, it, as it goes for Cashman, he did what he did with these nasty contracts that he created. And I don't blame Hal for not wanting to go over the luxury tax because he's going to make Cashman clean up his mess. And uh, I'm sure he does not want that money to go to other teams where he knows that some owners don't want to, you know, they're going to get their hands on that luxury tax money. And a lot of them just stick it in their pocket like the Kansas City Royals. And uh, they have done that in the past. And uh, I don't blame Hal for doing it. Tom, that's a good point, too, about this luxury tax. And, you know, everybody's been talking about it all night. And Hal doesn't want to exceed the next level of it. But that's right, because where does that money go? It feeds the competition against the Yankees moving forward. That's a great point you just brought up. And between all the bad contracts and the amount of time it's going to take to get out of it, yep. you know, you have to start bringing some of these kids up and see what you have. And then, you know, Cashman always has to go on the cheap getting certain players. But instead of looking at the Sotos and all the other big names, go after some grinders that are out there grinders. on the market. Yeah, I still can't figure out, Tom, if grinding, the verb grinding in these press conferences by the players and the manager is a good thing or a bad thing. I can't figure it out. You know, you know some of these players that, you know, come out every night and get dirty and play ball. You know what I'm saying? That's like what a, I thought. But, you know, it, it – it it could be used as it's a grind. That's that's negative. Or the players are grinding. That's positive. I, it it flip flops every game. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. There's like some players out there that you always see on certain rosters sure. that are heading to the playoffs that they always go out and get, like a Jock Peterson or, um, like you used to Hensky used to play. Uh, you know, Julio Rodriguez, up. Seattle. Yeah, these are the guys that get you over the top. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Uh, that's what they they need. So I don't. I've I've seen them not make the playoffs. I go back to the seventies, and this doesn't really bother me. They weren't good enough to beat Houston anyway. It just would have been another wasted season. So instead of spending all that money, just let's just put it in the pocket and just move on. Yeah, you know, and all that time too. Time, time is key. I was going to the stadium during the school week, going to those playoffs games without the pitch clock that would take forever. I wouldn't get home till twelve thirty and have to be up early, early to be at school early, early, and that was taking a toll on me too. Not that I had to go; I love to go. You know, I love to go, and and I wish it would have paid off for them. You know, but yeah, I mean, it was taking a toll on me too. So I get it. I understand. Just pack it up. Wait for next year, I guess. We go to Douglas in the Bronx. You're up next on the fan. Hello, Danielle. Hey, Glad Douglas. To join you this evening. Hi, hi. Yep. You know, for all the talk on the station about wanting a change at the top of both both baseball ball clubs, um, there's a sports organization that we root for that did make a change in the past week: the women's national soccer team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they changed. Yeah. Right. Blatko gone. Yeah. Right. They. They claimed resign, but that's just a nice way of saying he got fired, right? Yeah, because, again, his team was playing uninspired ball, right? They didn't go as far as everyone was expecting them to go. So, yeah, it was, to me, that canning Vlatko was inevitable. Yeah, and just in time, next year at the Olympics, so. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be ready to go for that. 
Hopefully. Yeah, so I heard you at the top, and I know you were beside yourself about the Yankees not making the playoffs ultimately, but I think I'm going to get there in in terms of actually them even going across the 500 mark. Uh, oh. So the next 39 games, for the Yankees to avoid that, to actually continue the streak of above 500, they have to win 22 games of the next 39. Oh. I don't see it. I, it does not seem I, – I, I don't have the uh, – that they would, considering they're going to play top-tier teams, or at least the teams that are above them in the division, at oh, least. So, I, I, it, yeah, we we're headed for under 500. That I, I'm beside myself. Myself, I, I, that's that's the shock of it all. But um, two, two other aspects uh, uh, joining the uh, the negative parade here tonight. <laughs> um, uh, you know, for all the talent analysis and evaluations about acquisitions and acquiring folks. They seem to easily overlook injury history and the chronic ones, even right, Montez right. and Rodon. Right? Isn't that wild? I mean, I know, and I love Bader. I do. I do. But he himself has a dubious injury history. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I know he's, I like him in center field, but I mean, he's, he's, he's in a slump himself just right now. But it's just, but in terms of the pitching, uh, that's where the bad contracts come from. And it came out more in the forefront. They were playing the Braves and you know, easily got swept. Oh, Not yeah. a shock there. Uh-huh. But, their second baseman, Ozzie Albies, he uh, landed on the injured list this week. It's the first time this season one of their everyday players landed there. Um, that it just, it's just not, they play every day. Those, that roster plays every day. Yes. In fact, I think Austin Riley, uh, their third baseman, was saying that um, the reason why they play every day is because of this pitch, because of the pitch clock. They're not on the field as much, so it's easier to step into the game every day in, day out. Yeah, so, and you, you, and you compare that in contrast with what the Yankees are going through. And then uh, the other the other thing that stuck in my craw this week was the Yankees worrying about messaging. So Tuesday night, of course, after Yankee loss, Aaron Judge tells the reporters, you know, we're not showing up. We're not, uh, we're not, uh, you know, that's what it comes down to. We're not showing up when we need to. And then they ask Aaron Boone about what Judge said. Oh, I think he meant about just performance and all, all that. I'm thinking, in the back of my mind, how does Aaron Boone know what Aaron Judge was referring to? Maybe Aaron Judge was actually telling the truth that maybe they're just not showing up mentally or, you know, there's something more to mm-hmm. it than just performance. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, it, so the worry is about messaging and all that. So the next night, after another loss, Judge goes, um, we're just a couple of streaks away of being where we want to be. Uh, it's right there in front of us. Like, that's the party line that the organization, that's exactly, you know, that's, yeah. a, that's a boom type of statement. Oh, of course. Statement, yeah, we'll, right? we'll get him next yeah. time. Yeah, we'll, you know, we, thanks for the caller, Douglas. Yes, we'll get him next time. You know, there's always tomorrow. We'll come out fighting tomorrow. That, and I pointed it out a while ago. I could probably find the audio. You could look for it yourself. I don't, I don't like that messaging. I don't know if that's just the mes- the outward messaging that comes from the manager to us on the outside. I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know, different on the inside. I can't imagine that there are two different messages being sent. There's almost like it's too calm. It's too much of, we'll get them tomorrow. Yes, we had some good at-bats. Let's take the positive away. I'm an eternal optimist. Let's take the positive away from this. We'll get them tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. But, like, the Yankees are running out of time. They've ran out. Let's be honest. They've ran out of time this year. They've run out of time. Let's put it that way. 
But um, yeah, I, I get it. And the whole lack lack of days ago approach, it's it's not working. And you know, as much as I dislike Brett Gardner being on this roster, you know, uh, towards the end and the banging of the bat on the top of the dugout, I mean, I don't see it happening on this team. Who's the guy who does it? Who's that guy? Because I watched, I've seen screenshots of Yankee players being creamed by the the, the Atlanta Braves and, and smiling in the dugout. Now, I'm not saying they have to pout all the time, but that's kind of like a bad look, knowing that there's cameras on you at all times. It's, that's kind of like a bad look. So, as I sit here, by the way, in a Ray Boom Boom Mancini t-shirt, talking about intensity and bringing it, Yankees just don't have it. 877-337-6666. Quick break. Emmanuel update. Back with you at the top of the hour. My name is Dan. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Dan McCartney with you for one more hour. Trending in the right direction. Mackay Becton apparently had an awesome game at right tackle tonight for the Jets. That's that's very welcome to see. The Jets need him, man. I think it was 25 snaps in total. Robert Salas said after the game that Mackay Becton played with, quote, a lot of energy and juice. Love that. Love that for him. Good. And the Jets are going to need that. I love that from Aaron Rodgers, honestly. Uh, but, uh, again, 877-337-6666. It was um, – it's been a Yankee night so far. Uh, but uh, if you wanted to go and, and, and watch a winner – Check out the New York Liberty. I'm, this is not a commercial. I mean, that's 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 some winning basketball being played in Brooklyn right now. And you know I'm a teacher. You know I coach during the week. And when school starts, like September 1, my life is over. Like, over. Forget about maintaining a social life. Forget about going to the gym regularly. All, like, all of it. It's like work seven days a week. When you get home from school, you're working. Like, people don't understand that, et cetera, et cetera. So this summer, it's like I, I, I'm really up to go and do anything, mostly because I can't do it September through the end of June. So months ago, Maria Marino and I were texting about going to a New York Liberty game. We picked out two dates and what was it, two, three weeks, two weeks ago now at this point? We went. On a Tuesday night, we went. And it was a fun time. Our tickets were 40 bucks each, and the tickets were great. So even if you're not, like, a fan, but maybe you're a parent, you're looking for something to do with, with your kids in the last couple days of summer, it's in, it's pretty inexpensive to do for, for the whole family. So there's an option for you. And by the way, the product on the court is great. The game itself was great that night. It was a preview of the NBA Finals, which WNBA Final, which is going to be the Liberty and the Aces, if all goes according to plan, Las Vegas Aces. And... I mean, that night they overcame an 18-point deficit. When was the last time you saw the Yankees fight back and score and win the game? I mean, Barclays Center was electric that. I'm not making that up. And if you're a Nets fan, well, maybe you want to bring a basketball for Mikel Bridges to sign because apparently he's always there courtside watching the game. And I love those guys that support the women's game. So, you know, you want to watch a winner? Go watch the Liberty. Just It was just a great experience. A great experience. And to mix in the NBA here, Steph Curry, another guy that really supports the women's game, challenged the Liberty's Sabrina Ionescu to a three-point shooting contest. 
And if you haven't seen her completely dominate the all-star three-point competition yet, I'm, I'm, we can't be friends. That's it. So go ahead. Go find on Twitter the 90-second clip, like now. Uh, you get permission. Go do it now. I mean, there's good things going on in Brooklyn. I think we should start kind of highlighting that a little bit more. And if you want to get caught up with the league, now maybe you're interested. Maria Marino she does a nice little podcast on the NBA and the WNBA. It's called Buckets. So it's pretty straightforward. Google it. Maria Marino Buckets Podcast. Find her there. If you want to root for a winner, go to Brooklyn. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to calls. This has not been a fun night. It's been a sad night. It's been a frustrating night. And here we go. Back to the Yankee calls in the order that you call. We go to Tim in Hartford, Connecticut. What's up, Tim? Danielle, thanks for taking my call. You mentioned Boom Boom Mancini. I'm wearing his my t-shirt. Father coached, my father coached him in Little League. That's awesome. That is yeah, so cool. I'm yeah, from Ohio. I'm a, I was about two years behind him, but aside, I called about the Yankees. Number one, and I don't know if Hal Steinbrenner or anybody in this organization can do this. You call Boone in, you fire him. Then you tell Cashman, go out and hire the best baseball man you can find and let him manage. You are not our field manager. You can give me analytics, but our manager manages the team on the field. That's number one. Number two, wow. you tell Cashman, hire a new VP of player development. Can you name one position player we've developed since Judge? There aren't any. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Volpe. You I tell mean, Volpe. player of development, you tell him, number one, hitting. Totally revamp the hitting approach in my, in the minors. Mm-hmm. No more of this, look for your pitch in your damage zone, because if it's not in your damage zone, yeah, right. you might hit a weak ground ball. Right. Teach them how to make effective contact Correct. with pitches that are not in your damage zone. Correct. I heard Smoltz the other night. He said the pitchers that drove, the hitters that drove him nuts, were the ones that would come up there and stand there for 11 pitches and just keep following pitches off. I, I, I agree. Until I put, yeah. put something in their damage zone. And then lastly, and I know this, this is controversial, every starting pitcher in the minors from double A and above, they go six innings every night or more. Yeah, it's not going to work. And you teach them how to pitch through a batting order three times. Nolan Ryan once said, if they had pitching counts when he was coming up, he would never have learned how to pitch. Because when he couldn't throw the ball 102 mile an hour anymore in mm-hmm. the seventh inning, mm-hmm. he had to figure out how am I going to get hitters out right. with something else. Sure. I mean, it's a point. I just think it's it's an approach thing in the minors, and you're you're not teaching these kids what they need to do. Yeah to be effective at the major league level. And I get that, it. I, I get it, Tim. It's But it's not going to start with, with forcing pitchers to go six innings. It's just not. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. And then you got and then you got another problem. You've got guys that, that are going to be coming up injured and needing surgery by the time they get to AAA. They're going to need Tommy John surgery by the time they get to AAA. All of them. And then what do you do? So I agree that there's got to be more teaching done um, because clear, I don't know what gets done, really, honestly. I talked to Anthony Volpe. He told me he ran bases, learned base running for 30 minutes every day. Fine. That's all I know. That's the extent that I know. But coming up, when you're watching Isaiah Kiner-Falefa drop the bad head on a bunt attempt, that's fundamental baseball. It's not good enough. It's just not good enough. It needs to be taught. 
So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Ed in Mohegan, he's got some solutions, too. Go ahead, Ed. Hey, Danielle. You know what? I'm going to call an audible. I was going to talk about the Yankees, but okay. my ears are hurting. Okay. <laughs> and I've been listening to you every Saturday. I work late, and I love your show. I love nighttime radio. I'm going to call an audible. I, wanna, I got a Danielle question. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you're a teacher, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, one of the most underappreciated jobs that nurses, mm-hmm. I feel. Yep. One and, of the most underappreciated and police jobs. officers. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, so a bunch of them. But I mean, the two that I've seen. Yeah, sure. To, to me, yeah. my question is this: How do you how do you get on the fan? Like, what's your origin story? How oh. do you go from being? I mean, you know, I mean, is it a long story? I'm real. I'm curious. Yeah, it is. It's not something you. Is it really? It's kind of long. I'll try to keep it really short here. The short story is, oh, man, I don't know where to start. Um, I had the bug for it. break, I could talk about firing cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I had I had the bug uh, to do it, uh, and I didn't exactly know where to start. So I um, kind of forced myself into Ramapo College Radio as a teacher. I'm still doing I'm still teaching. So as a teacher, yeah. uh, I was I was going every Sunday. I was calling it 60-minute overtime, did a 60-minute radio show. At uh, at Ramapo College of New Jersey, kind of forced the the station manager, the kid, to, to let me do it. Audited a course, um, started my own YouTube channel, started my own podcast, started my own SoundCloud, my own website. I was writing audio, visual, put it all together, packaged it all together. Was showing up at events, interviewing players, still do, um, and all of that kind of culminated in um, one day that there was a Jets opening, beat reporter opening. On the fan, my dad. I was at school. My dad texted me. He's like, "Hey, um, beat reporter opening for Jets. See if you can try to get in that." I was like, "Okay." But how old were you at the time you take the Jet job? This was. Uh, I was already teaching for four or five years, so probably twenty five to six or so. And uh, yeah, about twenty six probably. And so, all right. I, I DM'd on Twitter a couple producers that that work here. Used some used to. One still works here, and they gave me Mark Chernoff's email address. I emailed him. The next day, I found myself in the office right here on the corner, corner office. And uh, I didn't know it was an interview, really, until it was kind of over. And um, he was like, listen, it's not worth it for you financially to quit your teaching job and drive down to Florham Park on a seasonal basis. So he said, I'm going to give you a tryout. I think you got something, and I want to give you a tryout. And I was like, what? So he gave me an hour's worth of Tony Page's show um, months later, months later. He emailed me out of the blue, and he's like, what are you doing from 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. on whatever August date or July date uh, that year? And I was like, oh, you know, nothing. And it was a live tryout? It wasn't a tape? It was a live Oh, it was live. Tryout? I came in here. Tony was like, wow. here's how you use the screen. Uh, I'll be right That's in the awesome. other room if you need me, but uh, you'll be fine. Okay. You'll be good. And uh, it's kind of history from there, I guess. And you just, you like right off the bat, because I would think like in school or in college, you were probably told by your friends, look, you, you're, you've got to be on the radio. No, never. <laughs> no, I, I actually audited a course my senior year of college at Round College, and I had all my everything done. I, all my credit, the only thing I needed were more credits. My minor was done, my major was done, basically a double major, all finished, and I was ready to start student teaching. So I just needed to fit the, the, the minimum number of credits, hit that number. And I was like, my roommate was taking a sports media course on Wednesday nights, and I was like, you know what? I'll do it with you. And I, it was like a 400-level course, and I went in and did it, and the uh, professor was like, hey, like, you ever – I did a presentation on CBS Sports, ironically, and he was like, yeah, see me after class. And for three hours, I sat there, and I was like, oh, my, did I do the wrong thing? Like, turns out he was like, my son works for real sports, and you should 
I'll, I'll, I'll set you up with him. You could talk to him, whatever. But I think you got a career in this. And I was like, really? And so I went that next week and he was not in his office. And then I never said anything. He never said anything. And he has since passed away. But I did get in touch with his son, ultimately, who no longer works for real sports. But, uh, yeah, and, and that was kind of the seed that was planted. Maybe four or five, five years later, I was teaching. And I'm like, let me, let me, I never want to figure out what if, you know, think about what if on this. So here we are. No, that's great because, you know, it's a, it's, just, it's a great story for people who want to do this. Yeah. And a lot of people wanted to, when they had those WFAN tryouts at the mall that I actually attended. Yeah. Um, I got a, I got far, not far enough. I'm, I'm here. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's an amazing story. And, and now when you got the job, did people, uh, I mean, when you told them you were going to do this, what did you get? I mean, did they feel you could do it? Did, were, you, were you inspired or... But no, these people think you were crazy. It's never going to happen. Um, I, Ned, I'm going to let you go here because you I know, gotta, friends gotta, and family and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got to get TJ Reeves on the line here. But no, I mean, when I set my mind to do something, I do it. You know, so um, no, people are like, how can I help? What do you need me to do? How can I help you? Let's let's get it done. So yeah, that's it. That's the story. Basically, that's the the two minute story of the last. 10 years of my life. 877-337-6666. If you're on hold, please hang there. I've got uh, TJ Reeves calling in for a very short check-in from the bowels of MetLife Stadium up next right here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. On the line here, we've got TJ Reeves, the sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's in the bowels of MetLife Stadium right now. And, and TJ, you've been doing this a really long time. Where are you exactly in MetLife Stadium right now? Uh, bowels is an excellent description, young lady, as we are just off the broadcast here, and I'm sure the Jets are wrapping up with their coverage. And uh, this is one of those where you and I were talking today about what we might or might not see. And so let's just suffice to say that looked and smelled like preseason tonight, did it not? <laughs> well, I don't know. I had kind of one eye on it, so I'm going to kind of lean into you for this because I had one eye on the callers doing the show. Um, I, I did see a little bit of it. And uh, this is TJ Reeves. He does uh, sideline reporting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio network. Good, great friend, great friend of the show, great friend of mine. Um, before he gets on the team bus here, let's let's do this. First of all, Yes. Uh, your quarterback, John Wolford, that was pretty scary. I did see that. What's the what's the prognosis on him? The latest on that is it was a neck injury where he had lost feeling in his arm. Oh, so you're immediately concerned. Is it a stinger? What's going on there? Et cetera. And the, uh, the prognosis is he got feeling back in the arm. He's not going to have to go to the hospital. So that's a good sign. Uh, you never want to see those things. And then that necessitated that Kyle Trask came back in the game. Trask played the whole first half. Baker Mayfield never played. But Trask basically played the last quarter and a half when he was supposed to be out himself. But the good news is not a serious injury. And so we proceed on and head back to Tampa. The the latest update was that he is going to be able to to go with the team, Wolford, back to Tampa here in a little while. Oh, that's great. Okay, good, good, good news. Um, so, TJ, I'm going to purposely kind of leave this one open-ended. Uh, how much can we here in New York read into tonight's game with what the Bucks threw at them in preseason game number two? Well, not a whole lot, unfortunately, because not a lot of starters play from either team. You're going to get much more out of the practice that was on Wednesday that not many got to see. It's certainly not like the game. So, uh, is that, I mean, Zach Wilson looked mobile. He had the long run. He made a couple of plays with his feet. In the first half of the game, you had a mix of some, a few starters on defense that stopped the Buccaneers a couple of times at the beginning of the game. 
And other than that, you were primarily watching backups play backups, and then in the second half, you're watching third string play third string. So there's only so much you can get out of this one tonight. Uh, and I think, you know, both teams are well aware that they still have work to do. So um, some perceptions around here, and we'll go one by one. I've got like three of them. You tell me what they look like from an outside team's perspective. Number one being Zach Wilson. Under Rodgers' tutelage, in my opinion, so far, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Zach Wilson in the interview room and on the field. What do you think from an outsider's perspective? Well, again, we saw him, obviously, at the end of the 21 season, back a season and a half ago. So you would think that he's matured some. You would think that he's got a better grasp of what's going on with the offense, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, again, limited sample size. He's not going against very many Buccaneer starters. I think there were only about two Buccaneer starters that were on the field while he was out there. Mm-hmm. So you take it for what it is in a preseason game. And obviously, if you're a, from a Jets perspective, he's only playing if something happens to Aaron Rodgers, which right. is the last thing you would want right. if that's the case. TJ Reeves, sideline reporter for the Bucks, joins us here. He was there at the game tonight. Uh, number two, some perceptions. The offensive line is going to be the unit that single-handedly holds this team back. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think, and, and Aaron Rodgers has been clear about that earlier in the week. That the line's got to get better, um, and obviously he's not working with them in games. Now, he worked with them in the two joint practices against Carolina and against the Bucks, but you've got to develop some cohesion with quarterback, line, skill players. You've got some younger guys, so... Uh, we did see Alan Lazard out there some. He's got great familiarity with Lazard and eventually with Randall Cobb if he's out there running around as well. But you've got to get some chemistry going with the receiving core on the team. So it'll be interesting. But, again, you can't glean a whole lot because they were playing reserve offensive yeah. linemen as well, almost from the jump right. in this one tonight. Uh, number three, third final one here. Uh, my opinion here, Aaron Rodgers is going to take this team on a very deep playoff run. I myself, TJ, have used continuously the phrase Super Bowl in my off base. <laughs> uh, there's optimism and then there's that. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, I, mean, I took a picture tonight because my mother said, what about Joe Namath? I took a picture in front of the Joe Namath uh, a picture at MetLife Stadium right outside of our radio booth in the hallway. Yeah. And it has been a while since Joe Namath and the Jets were in the Super Bowl. So you're, you're shooting for the moon here that they're going to be able to do that. I think they're a playoff contender. There's no doubt. But it's very tough in the AFC overall and in the AFC East. There's probably 11 or 12 worthy teams in the AFC. But Rodgers makes you that contender, and he's a guy that can make people around him better. And you've got other variables like Dalvin Cook coming in. How healthy is he? How effective is he at the beginning of the year? He's coming off a shoulder surgery, I believe, in the offseason. You've got Brees Hall off a knee injury. Those are unknowns, and these guys aren't playing in the preseason. So a lot of uncertainty, but Rodgers gives you the fighting chance. That's that's for sure. Rodgers taking no preseason game reps, and I keep telling people that he can get those, the, the timing down, all, chemistry down, in those padded practices. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong, but it's still not the same as an in-game situation especially with younger players mm-hmm. that you're trying to develop chemistry with. Now, again, working with Lazard, working with Cobb, he's done that before. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what the mix is, and especially that line being able to protect him. Uh, you know, one thing he is fantastic at is the quick release to get rid of the ball, mm-hmm. and even on short drops and things like that to, to help mask maybe some of your pass blocking deficiencies. So we'll see. We certainly haven't seen it in the preseason uh, as of yet, but um, it, I know there's a lot of optimism as to what he can bring. How did Mekhi Becton look tonight? 
from the limited part that I saw of the game, again, they did a pretty good job of keeping people off of Kyle Wilson for the most part uh, in the game in the first series or two. And I don't honestly know if, if Beckton only played the first series. I was not keeping track of that. Somebody can correct me if he only played like one series. 25 May have been in there for two series. Yeah, whatever yeah. it was, yeah. So, uh, again, limited sample size for what you can do in the live contact. And it's interesting for the Buccaneers. They have numerous skill players. The whole left side of the offensive line, left, left guard and, and Tristan Wirfs moving the left tackle, didn't play in either preseason game. Mm. So you talk about trying to get some reps and get some work. That's what the Buccaneers are choosing to do right now is use those padded practices and then just kind of lay off of the uh, of the games themselves and the danger within the game of getting hurt in a preseason game. And then you got Robert Sala saying, this is a quote, I like one joint practice from a safety measure standpoint. I mean, basically citing that if there's two, there's a little more, more juice in the second one. Uh, your thoughts on, on, on these padded practices? I like both of them. Well, it's important because there's only so many padded practices you can have. And again, the belief was there were going to be two up here. It turned out to only be one. And, uh, and then you just, you have to evaluate who do I want to look at in the preseason game itself right. that you didn't see enough of in the padded practice. So it's definitely a different day because, you know, 20 years ago, much less 30 years ago, you would have two a days in the pads both days yeah. a lot of times, much less going at it with another team. And you would have preseason game after preseason game where a lot of the starters would play a lot of the first half of the game. It's just a different day. Overall, in the NFL, with player safety and the limiting of all of that in the preseason and doing away with one of the games. I guess the final question here, because I know you got to get onto the bus. Uh, do you do you want to tell them about the Daniel Jones story from this morning? <laughs> okay, you haven't shared it as of yet. I shared it like Danielle, uh, two Dan, hours Danielle's ago. Danielle's having like brushes with greatness moments all over the place. <laughs> I I picked the breakfast spot not far from the team hotel, and we show up, and the 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 uh, the host is seating us, and he says you guys know who Daniel Jones is? And Danielle rolls her eyes. And I'm like, well, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't necessarily know Coach McCartan just on site. And he, pop, he he says he was here. He was here less than an hour ago, and he shows us the picture that he was eating at the restaurant where we were. Crazy. So I, I just, I love rolling with you because greatness is not far behind. Oh, and there yeah. it was today, off a of Friday night preseason game, he was out having Saturday breakfast among the people, and we happened to be there. Oh, but we didn't get to see him. That's the thing. No, we did not. Damn. All right, well, TJ, thanks for some time. I know you got to jump on the bus, and thank you, appreciate it. And I'll, I'll see you uh, what, next week. Hey, I'll be in Tampa. Happy, happy to be with you. Look forward to seeing you again next week down in Tampa, down in Tampa Bay. Oh, stop! You're coming to see the Rays. Stop. You're coming to see the Rays down there in Tampa Bay. He's coming to see the Yankees down there. Uh, in you Tampa be well. <laughs> you be well. It's good. It's always good to catch up with you, and uh, and we'll see what happens with those Jets. All right, J E T S. Thanks, TJ. Appreciate it. Bye. See you. Bye. Uh, yeah, I'm going down to Tampa Bay uh, next week. And, you know, just a lot of times I like to get the outside perspective on our teams. I often tune into that city sports station on the Odyssey app to hear their perspective on a big move or big game or whatever. Like the Astros cheating scandal, I was obviously tuned into Houston. Tom Brady's move to Tampa Bay, I was obviously tuned into WEEI. So just some valuable insight from TJ Reeves, the Bucks radio sideline reporter, um, tonight here about the New York Jets. Quick break. I'll be right back with you on the fan. And um, did you see here? Pete Alonzo made a huge error in last night's Met game. I'm Daniel McCarver. We'll talk about that next right here on the fan. Connor always comes in with these breaks, with these songs that set the tone on my drive home. The one time it was Good Charlotte. This is uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket album by Blink-182. And I loved 
this. So this is going to be my album for the ride home. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it. I, oh, my God. I love this. This album was awesome. It's cool because she's failing. All right. I won't, I won't uh, bother you here with my singing, but uh, great song selection. Great one. All right. 877-337-6666. Thanks for hanging on through the talk with TJ Reeves. Uh, the main topic of tonight has been what to do with the Yankees. Um it's over. I mean, the season is over. It's done for. They are too far back to make any sort of come from behind, you know, miracle run into the postseason. So, I, I, in my opinion, Aaron Boone is going to be let go at the end of the season. They're going to say, hey, look, everybody, look, stop complaining. We made changes. Meanwhile, the change needs to really come from the top down, meaning from the d- sole talent evaluator, talent decision maker, you know, contract giver outer. That is Brian Cashman. And when he was up for a contract last year, I was like, I think the Yankees should go in a different direction. They didn't. They've got three more years of Brian Cashman following this season. He's stuck. They're not They're not making that move. Sorry. But 877-337-6666. We go down to Brick, New Jersey. Rich, you're up on a fan. Danielle, how are you? Tonight? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing just ducky. I heard you. I was listening to your story and how you got involved. Just a quick thing, and I'll get on to my Yankee story sure. stuff, is that I used to broadcast basketball games with Sandy Grossman's son, Bobby Grossman, when we were at college at Franklin Pierce College. Mm-hmm. Almost wanted to go into sports, but life took me in a different direction. That's okay. That, it, it happens. Life took me in a different direction to sports. <laughs> All right, Yankees, you're right. It's just not one thing. It's everything. These kids in the minor leagues with the stories that are coming out as far as them not being able to, you know, they're not learning the basics down there. They're being taught just hit the ball hard. And you wonder why they can't lay a bunt down when they need it or they have situational hitting. Mm -hmm. The Yankees also have $77 million coming off the books this year. Do you really trust Brian Cashman? to get everything that the Yankees need in order to get it done? No. I know I'm sure as heck don't no. at that point in time. I mean, he'll still go for the bargain basement. You know, look at me. I'm smart. I could get things on the cheap, and it'll turn out to probably be another just Josh Donaldson thing. Oh. They've got the guy from Korea that they could probably wind up getting. You know, a couple of people from the, you know, Corey Bellinger uh-huh. that they could probably get put in left field. Uh-huh. They're going to need a new. They're going to need a new catcher because I don't think Brevart can hold. You know, can hold it down. That, but yeah. most importantly, one of two things has got to happen. They've got to surround their number one ace with a staff and maybe a closer or. They ought to think about maybe seeing about letting him go. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I mean, he's like in his prime right now. I can't. I, I won't be able to do it. I, I didn't like what the Mets did with Verlander. I can't let Garrett Cole now go now because that that you've got Aaron Judge in his prime. You got Garrett Cole in his prime. You unfortunately you have to push your chips in and go for it now. You have to do it. And trading Garrett Cole away is not going to get it done right now. Or else at that point, you're trading Cole. Might as well trade Judge, too. Follow the same philosophy that the Mets did. It's not, I, I don't like it. I, I know I understand it. I don't like it. That Those can be two separate things. Talk about catchers. I mean, they've got Austin Wells in the pipeline. He was due this season. 
uh, lefty bat, power sort of hitter. Do they trust him enough to bring him up and be the catcher? I, I mean, I don't know. And I think it's we are too uh, it's too soon to kind of throw out some names there for sure. But Cody Bellinger is a great fit for that ballpark, a great fit for that outfield. And do you trust Brian Cashman ultimately was the question? No. I mean, this this roster has the same deficiencies. This lineup has the same deficiencies as it did last year. And I'd argue worse because they're not even going to make the postseason this year. We go to George in Mineola, New York. What's up there, George? Biggest Yankee fan in Mineola. Hello, Daniel. <laughs> How you doing? Great. How are you? Uh, well, I've been better. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> we all have. Yeah. Uh, okay, I got two things here. Um well, three things. One is, as bad as it is, and it's god-awful, I'm still throwing the towel until I'm mathematically out. That's I know. Just not, that's just me. I know. Uh, me as bad as it looks, and it's ugly. But I'm going to give you two things here that are a little off-kilter, a little different take on things that the Yankees do that why they're so stupid. Like if George, I've said this to a couple of your other guys before. I'm known as biggest Yankee fan in Mineola. I won a Yankee contest. I've been in a Yankee commercial. I know my baseball. I could go in there. If George Steinbrenner was alive, I met him many years ago. If he was still alive now, I could tell him, give me a job. You don't even freaking pay me until you want to. Okay. Right, so I tell us, George, what are you doing? Okay. Two little tiny things why the Yankees screw up. One thing they can do besides get Bellinger, which I was going to say, mm-hmm. okay, next year, a big, a big part of the heart of the Yankees that are gone, they got rid of Gio Urshela for freaking Donaldson, okay? Gio Urshela because he's not the 20-home run guy. Mm-hmm. Gio Shell was having a great year this year, okay, with, with the, before he broke his uh, pelvis. Okay, he's out for the season. He won't cost much money, okay? Get him next year to play third base. The guy played like Greg Nettles at third base, and the guy gets hits. You know, he hits 280, 290, 300. He hits so what? He hits 12 home runs. He's going to hit you. He hits the ball from line to line. You know, he's a situational guy, and he plays great D, he plays fundamentals, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. guys love him on the team. He's a great, great guy on the team. Now, the other thing, you might laugh at this, because, see, the Yankees got into this thing once Boone and, and his, you know, the regime that, that does the thinking for Boone took over after Girardi left. Mm-hmm. They have to have nine guys that hit 20 home runs, 25 home runs. There's no, There's no – Role players, there's no whatever. Now, a little thing, okay, she might laugh at this. Ronald Torres, okay, was a guy when Didi missed the first month or so of the season, he didn't miss a beat. The guy, he was like the Louis Soho of that Yankee team, and they loved him. The guy could play second, short, third. The guy could not play for a week and get two, three hits. You know, the guy could spray it all over the field. So you're saying that Um, the Yankees, George, need someone like that, right? And and maybe, sure, they do. But I think that guy is ultimately going to be DJ LeMayu. As currently constructed, I think that's that's the guy that they currently have in mind for that particular role. He could play any any defensive position on the infield, pretty much. Maybe not shortstop, but you've got other flexibilities there. As currently constructed, I, I understand. You know, he's the spark plug. Torres was the spark. You know, Mr. Toe. Toe was a spark plug of the team, et cetera, et cetera. I get all that. I think how the chips are falling right now, it's either Isaiah Connor falefa that's that's that role right now, or it's DJ LeMayhew. But there's a kind of a bigger issue here too that when you're as you're if you're a player on the Yankees, you don't know where you're hitting in the lineup, you don't know where you're playing in the field uh, before you show up to the ballpark. I don't like that philosophy. 
there's something to be said for baseball players that they are creatures of habit. And to me, that's huge. All right, we'll talk about Pete Alonso's big era coming up next right here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCart, hanging with you for another 12 minutes or so. Then Brian Rascona will come your way. I'll, I'll complete the handoff, and he'll take you for the next couple of hours. You are in very good hands with Brian Rascona. Um, what a huge error by Pete Alonso last night's Met game. It was over late. Maybe you didn't see it. So the Cardinals, what happened was the Cardinals called up a shortstop prospect. His name is Mason Wynn. So here's the scene. It's his first major league game. He gets his first major league strikeout in his first at-bat. And then in his second at-bat, with two outs in the fifth inning, he legged out this chopper down the third baseline. Safe. Like, that's not an easy way to get your first hit, but safe. Okay? So here's where Alonzo, here's where the error happened. Pete wound up, chucked the ball into the stands at Bush Stadium, and the entire stadium started booing him relentlessly. Why? Well, it's usually a good thing when, when players throw the ball to the fans in the stands, right? I love it. I, I bring my glove when I sit close enough. Not this time. It was Wynn's first career hit, and Pete threw away the ball. After the game, Pete said, I was like, oh, God, that was a huge mistake. Not a fun one to make. I feel awful about it. That was Pete Alonzo. But, I mean, how is he supposed to know that? It's to- it's not his fault at all. Is he supposed to keep track of the minor league system of, of the Cardinals and see who gets called up and went? I mean, come on. No. Not his fault. But the story does end well. The girl that caught it did give it back. She looked about, I don't know, high school, college aged. I don't know what she asked for, but she did give it back willingly pretty much right away to the Cardinal security guard. So good on her. Good karma for that girl. And then Wynn said after the game, quote, Alonzo apologized on first base. And then when he got to second later, he apologized as well. Complete accident. I thought it was quite funny, especially after we got the ball back. I thought it was even a little more funny. So that's good nature. That's fun and everything. And then also breaking around like 6 p.m. today. Pete Alonso gave Wynn an autographed bat and a bottle of 1942. That's like a $400 bottle of tequila. So good on him, too. So happy story all the way around. Pete's big era ends up being uh, fruitful for everybody involved, I guess. So we'll put it that way. All right, 877-337-6666. We head out to Briarcliff Matter, and Victor's up on the fan. What's yeah, up, Victor? Uh, Dana, Dana you, can you hear me? I got you. Okay, good. It looks like I'm going to be the last call. You're coming. You're going off the air in ten minutes, right? I got five minutes left yeah. and three calls. Okay, I'll make this as brief as I can. I I told your producer I wanted to talk about the Yankees and the Mets. Sure, but I want to talk about the Yankees more. The Mets have been out of it for a long time. Fine. Um, it it really has to do with I I understand from listening to you that you, that you're a teacher full time. Yes. And this is sort of like a part-time job for you. You do a nice job. Thank you. But I must admit, there, there's uh, a lot of ladies on the air right now with uh, uh, WFAN. And you sound like somebody, I, I always say her name wrong, Trista Crick or something like that that's on the air. Uh, I don't think I'd be able to identify. You both were speaking at the same time. All right, Victor, let's get to the point here. All right. Anyway, uh, the point is that... Uh, um, the overall point is that sons of famous men do not normally do well 
when they go into the same business. And I could rattle off a lot of names. We start with uh, Frank Sinatra Jr., uh, any of any of the sons of, uh, of movie stars. All right, Victor, you got to get to the point, oh, or else got... I'm going to cut you off here. Let's go. Okay. The point is that the Yankees are never going to win anything with Hal Steinbrenner calling the shots. Uh, he okay. can, he can All right, fight. Uh, Victor, I know we, we've said that point a million times, and it's it's remained to be seen. I get it. Maybe he's got the wrong people in charge. Maybe I don't know. But I've got three minutes here, and. Uh, I told you that. All right, Kevin. Kevin and Camden, what's up? Uh, Aaron Boone had a meeting last night, and oh, this around. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. That, I, as much as I disagree with this, you know, I disagree with what the Mets did, but at least you know what they're doing. What the Yankees have no future there. There's no direction with this team. So I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm at the wit sense today with the Yankees. I just don't, I don't know what else to say. They have no future. They need to blow the whole thing up. I know they won't, but that's what they need to do. Yeah, Kevin, and thanks for keeping that short and concise there. Uh, we'll, we can talk again tomorrow. Uh, the Yankees are going to blow it up? No, they're not. They're just not. Uh, it's going to be the same old, same old. And um, that's it. It's going to be much of the same roster for next year. It will definitely be the same general manager. Maybe, maybe not the same manager, but that doesn't matter. It's plug and play as long as Brian Cashman's there. Who's really calling the shots? You know what I mean? So it's going to be much of the same look next year. They've got about $60 million to spend in free agency. Big whoop. We'll see what happens there. Maybe it's Cody Ballinger. I don't know. Sparky and Dobbs Ferry is the closer of the night. What's up, Sparky? Oh, well, how's everything, Coach? Oh, good. How are you? Oh, good. Now, my thing with the Yanks, things aren't going to change until we're honest in assessing their own situation. Mm-hmm. Cashman just isn't the answer. In my mind, they have to make the bold move. You bring in Theo Epstein. Yeah. It'll cost, but he is the best GM in the history of baseball. I mean, think about this. He built the Red Sox minor league system. Mm-hmm. They win the World Series. He built the Cubs minor league system, and they win the World Series. Mm-hmm. And think about it, Before he took over those teams, those teams, when they won the World Series, there was no such thing as television. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. And, and, and yeah, that uh, would that uh, would be a great decision for the Yankees to do if they move on for Cashman. But Sparky, they're not going to. He's got three more years. You know, uh, Coach, I'm living in Fantasy Island. I can't <laughs> help it. I know. Okay, now you were talking about the Jets before, yeah. and you said something about Super Bowl. You're the one that's a hundred percent right. Why else, Coach, would they bring in Rodgers except to win the Super Bowl? Right. Why else? I know. I mean, to me, they rolled all their dice on this move for winning it all. That's right. I mean, Coach, I was in eighth grade when the Jets won the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Sparky, it's been a long time, but hey, they're going for it. They push all their chips in with this old quarterback, Rodgers. We'll see what he can do. All right. Hate to cut you off there, Sparky, though. You're a great caller. Thanks to all of the callers. Could not have done it without you. Love coming here and talking with you. Thanks for hanging with me over the past four hours. If you missed any portion of tonight's show, hit the Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show, which was 8 p.m. Great job, as always, to Connor Green behind the glass and Manuel Barbari on the updates. I'll see you again tomorrow evening after the Yankee game until 9 p.m. And in the meantime, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. We'll keep the conversation going there. Brian Rascones has taken a seat to my left. 
He's up next here, right on WFAN. Sports Radio 1019 FM. WFAN.